Welcome back, Quackies. Oh my gosh, we got a great episode for you. Yet again, I know I've been saying that a lot during these Pac-12 previews. First with Brian Conger of Arizona, then with Hode Rubino of Arizona State, and of course with Rob Wong of uh, of California Golden Bears fame. But this this one trumps them all. This one's really going to be good at because we got another old friend, someone who's done a lot of um, excuse my French, but a lot of stupid shit with us over the years. <laughs> but has never complained. Has been eager to come back. Even I would say, uh, fan favorite, if you will. And uh, I- I'm not talking about um, Hithliday right now, though. We do have Hithliday in the building from Addicted to Quack, <laughs> fresh off watching so much Colorado football. How you doing, Hithliday? Uh, I'm well. How are you? I'm the oh, I'm doing so good. Uh, because we've got Jack Barsh of the Ralphie Report Woo! here in the building, in the virtual building. How you doing, Jack? Uh, I'm now worried for anyone who says they're doing well after watching a lot of Colorado football films. So, um, <laughs> you know, I, I'm I really did. I just watched the spring game, it was fairly tolerable. Philip okay. Lindsay was back, he was cracking jokes, it was good. I love. Yeah, that. exactly. That a good one. Despite what he did to us, he did that to everyone. You know, it it, it wasn't it wasn't personal. Um, he was just on a mission from God and uh, and the great Buffalo himself. So you know, it's he did that to everyone. Now I'm now I'm better because someone mentioned Philip Lindsay. So let's just scrap yeah. talking about 2022. Let's go back to 2016. <laughs> hey, there's some there's some highlights to be had in this 2021 20, uh, season, uh, as we were talking earlier. Uh, we can hop right into it. I mean, it ended up a four and eight season. That's never a yep. good season. It's never, it's, you know, it's never uplifting. Doesn't get the fans too into it. But you know what you didn't lose? You, you, what you didn't do is you didn't lose to a truly embarrassing competition. <laughs> uh, you beat Northern Colorado. And there's a lot of teams, well, there are some teams in this country that can't say they beat teams like Northern Colorado. Ed, Ed McCaffrey's own. Broncos mm-hmm. legend, Ed McCaffrey's own, Northern Colorado. Absolutely. Um, 35-2-7. Uh, what a victory. Actually, it took a little while for it to happen. Yes. There's 44,000 people in the crowd. Waiting yes, for Ralphie him. Six's debut. Ralphie Six. That's right. Debut. Ralphie Six's debut. That was kind of the highlight for me. Uh, it eventually took off. The, there was a first half shutout. You got to give him that against the <laughs> UNC, you know. But um, it, eventually, the Golden Bears were able to add 21 points in the second half to wrap up the win. Uh, Broussard 15 times for 94 yards and a touchdown. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Love to see that. Uh, Brendan Lewis, uh, freshman quarterback. 10 of 15, 102 yards, 44 yards on the ground. Uh, I liked watching him. It's kind of hard to say that. I, I like was rooting for him, but it was kind yes. of like, kind of like how a waiter, an absent-minded waiter sometimes gets more tips because they mess up in the, in the personal feel bad. That's kind of what mm. Brendan Lewis did for my life. <laughs> I was rooting for him. You're running, you're watching him run for his life. You know, yeah, yeah it just, yeah. Uh, and I was really, yeah, he, he kind of won me over. Maybe a lot of pity. Next game, though, so we got one win. Then against mm. Texas A&M, who had just been, people would not Top shut 10 up about at, Texas Top A&M. 10 at yeah. the time, I believe. Number five, Texas That's A&M. Right. Comes to town. You hold them to 10 points. You hold them to seven points for goddamn near the whole game. Mm-hmm. As close as you could get. But... 
one final touchdown drive, I do believe. Yes, Isaiah Spiller, Zach, Zach Calzada, Isaiah Spiller mm. connection. That's Real right, route, and like baby. backup QB, but that is a backup QB that beat Alabama. So <laughs> you can't be. Yeah, bad. don't look at the rest of the season. It's he <laughs> beat Alabama. He did beat Alabama. You can't like ask backwards. Uh-huh. Beat Alabama. So he's he's something, right? Um, but still, ten to seven is mm-hmm. an old school score that you do not want to see, especially with missed field goals in the first half. Both teams had them. Uh, uh-huh. On fourth and one, Colorado was not able to to pound it in. It, it was uh, let's it was a forget. Tough one. It was a fourth and one that was the second straight QB sneak in a row called by mastermind Darren Shiverini. That's it. So, <laughs> hey, that was uh, they almost got him on the off chance, and they forgot that it was a QB sneak on third and one. So, there you um, go. I mean, yeah. sometimes you know they're not going to call you bluff. They absolutely <laughs> called you bluff that time, though. Uh, then versus Minnesota, just when you're thinking like, I don't, you know, this Colorado, maybe they just took they're a little while to warm up, but maybe, <laughs> yeah, maybe that defense can hold yeah. them in every game. Thirty to zero, lost in the Minnesota Golden Gophers. Got rode on. Yeah, I don't even think but, the defense was that bad in that game. It was just no, don't worry. Got a break eventually. <laughs> but that Minnesota offense was high octane and explosive the whole year, right? I mean, that, they, they were blowing everyone out, right? Was it to see you? Well, they. Well, just I, that's definitely the best reason to hire their offensive coordinator and tight end. Oh, we'll too, get so. into that in all of its glory elsewhere. But yeah, I love I do that. Like the, uh, you like the hiring process of well, this guy kicked our ass. I don't want to do a search. Just get him. Just get him. We will never have to face him again, unless it's practice. If he's <laughs> yeah. on our side, we call uh, that the traumatic yeah. hiring process. Deal with yeah. your trauma by hiring the man that did it. <laughs> the The defense did all they could, but eventually, yeah, they they got their backs broke. Um, then against Arizona State, a thirty-five to thirteen loss. That's a tough way to start the Pac-12 play. Um, I don't know. I'm sure there were some I highlights in here. That game, so, yeah. Why would you? Why would you? Uh, <laughs> I don't think I remember a single thing. I got some interesting facts, but they're mainly about Arizona State, so we'll just keep going there. Okay. Um, versus USC, this this mm-hmm. was the season. If you were going to get a win over this USC. This was the season, year. This was the year to get it in, as Oregon yes. State and Cal can tell you. Yeah. Um, At however, home, full house. Absolutely. And I believe, yeah, that's right. Colorado instead went 0-15 all time versus the Trojans. Mm-hmm. This this really felt like the year it could have been, mm-hmm. but not if you watch the teams on the field. Like the concussed Steve Montez got him closer. Yeah. Uh, yes. That's actually, yeah, great callback. Mel Tucker's year. Yeah. Where uh, he obviously should not have put Steve Montez back on the field. Um, and then <laughs> they forgot to uh, tackle. Um, oh, who's the guy that's playing for the Colts now? Uh, Michael Pittman. They forgot to just tackle. Yeah, that's right. Tough. Well, speaking of tough, uh, we keep it. Well, no, 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 no. Here we go. Now, yeah. we know you are not the very bottom of the Pac-12. Winning streak. You snapped a different. Well, no, you, you kept a streak going by piling on to the Arizona Wildcats. Yeah. It's fantastic. A 34-0 to beatdown of that's the right. Wildcats. Ah, uh, sure. Uh, did you feel good after that game? 
did you kind of just like forget about uh, it was at home and it was family weekend that was good um i like scoring on defense offense and special teams that's always fun um and you know you can never do too much to exercise khalil tate's demons on that field so yeah i'm fine with yeah that. there you go i mean a 50 yard interception return that's gonna get everyone out of their seats that's, that's fantastic right. then at california i'll tell you this we were oh, talking God. to rob he was he was as baffled as this as we were. Um, California comes out with the win, twenty six to three. The Chase Garber's game. Oh yeah, no answer for Cal quarterback Chase Garber's. <laughs> Bears scored on all five of their first half possessions. Uh, oh, wow, Garber's, you got Garbered. I, I literally blocked that game in the ASU game out of my mind completely until just now. Yeah, this is Ugh. usually a pretty <laughs> podcast for most podcast uh, Pac-12 teams. Um, the the games that you blacked out. I mean, I forget a lot of these too. Uh, like when you played against Oregon, I uh-huh. hardly remember this because it didn't get me as angry, didn't get me as excited. Uh, yeah. It was a fifty-two to twenty-nine victory for the Ducks. Nate Landman is out. That is really tough. Mm-hmm. He'll be out for a good chunk of these games. Uh, best player there. Really good guy. Um, Ducks scored on all five of their possessions in the first half. Mm-hmm. They piled up 568 yards in the game. What else is there to say? Actually, Brendan Lewis did pretty well. 25 of 33, 224, yeah. three touchdowns. Brendan Rice. Uh, Brendan Rice, I'm sure a little bit of a sore subject, but had a career high five catches for 102 yards and a score. And he added 162 yards in kick returns. Yeah, that's mm, glad him and, and Micah Pittman are, are not Micah Pittman. What am I thinking? Travis Dyer on the same team now. That's going to be awesome to go against. The, uh, uh, the real interesting <laughs> thing about that week was that uh, Colorado fired their offensive line coach and like. Mm. There was this like, you know, because Colorado had lost all these games, there was this, you know, running battle uh, that somehow, Jack, you drew me into uh, or of like, is it Chivarini or is it Brendan Lewis or is it the offensive line? Like, what's the problem? And I was sort of like, right. well, it's kind of all three, but like, I really mostly think it's the offensive line. Uh, and and so then they fired the offensive line coach and I was like, well, that's probably a good start. But there is no way that in one week that that, you know, causes the offensive line to like suddenly surge and perform <laughs> real well. And then that's exactly what they did. It's like, they they did hit, like I, I'm telling you, man, like the, as a, I've been watching the Ducks for a long time. There is definitely a play the Ducks, you know, bounce. That's like everybody just decides, you know, okay, this is the week where we're just suddenly going to do way better than we have the rest of the season at this horrible thing. Uh, yeah, no, it was like, you're welcome, I guess. <laughs> and made national news because right after the offensive line coach was fired, he, he was selling all of his CU gear on Facebook Marketplace. Nice. And I believe nice. that's the first coach I've ever seen try to use a Facebook marketplace loophole to get some money back after he was let go. <laughs> that's that's classy. Um, uh, then versus Oregon State, we should say thank you because you beat our ancient rival here. 37 to 34 in double overtime. Really mm-hmm. freaking came down to it. But Cole Becker came through calmly booting a 43-yard field goal in second overtime to win it uh broussard first hundred yard game of the season actually carrying 24 times for 151 yards uh buffs led most of the game but had to rally in the fourth quarter to send it to ot uh i believe a field goal sent to ot oh, whatever yeah. um 
Yeah. Them beavers. They're fun to beat. At UCLA. UCLA, kind of a, I mean, Chip Kelly's best UCLA team. You can certainly say that. They were ranked at some point this year, right? Yeah, after they beat LSU and they earned so much of that undeserved credit that you get from beating a former good SEC team. Uh, Colorado jumped out to a 20-7 first half lead, but then UCLA (laughs) scored 37 unanswered points. Brutal. And that was the one that eliminated the buffs from postseason contention. So that's got to hurt. And then uh, versus Washington. This is what the podcast should be about. We should do two hours on this. Colorado versus Washington. The Buffs win it all 20 to 17. Just to add to that, that abysmal season they had, that wonderfully abysmal season. <laughs> um, four takeaways the Buffs yep. had. That's uh, right. And it, yeah, and they drove 90 yards for game-clinching touchdown. And mm-hmm. uh, they end up winning this bad boy. Yeah. Forcing a shit ton of tough turnovers. And Truly even a terrible though, watch. It's an awful watch. Yeah. Yeah. But, and like the Huskies dominated <laughs> in most of most ways. Uh, they outgained the Buffaloes 426 to 183. Yep. They, um, the Buffs allowed UW to convert 14 of 21 third down tries. Yep. And while they were only two of 14 on their own and they won this game. That is amazing. Yeah. Statistical oddity. I love that. I love that. I dig it. Colorado won three conference games and two of them were against Washington and Oregon State. It's like the the Colorado Mm -hmm. Ducks. I dig it. I know. And UNC, (laughs) my other most hated team, was goddamn Northern Colorado Bears, Grizzlies. Golden Bears. Yes. They're the Golden Bears. Oh, come on. Another Golden Bear. Uh, then at Utah in the fake rivalry, the manufactured rivalry between Colorado mm. and Utah. Uh, well, I'll I'll just leave this by saying there's no shame in losing to Utah. How about we just not last year for sure. Mm. And hey, only two touchdowns. And if you look at the what you just ran by me, that's not that bad. <laughs> it was a bit losses. I mean, yeah. hey. I mean, they kicked our ass quite a bit heavier than uh they than they beat you so there you go that there's one thing that you probably don't that's feel right. good about so that's the season here um i don't know how how you feeling after all that do you need a break should um, we take a 15 minute break so you can collect yourself or something like that? <laughs> uh if you're asking me how i felt immediately after the conclusion of the 2021 season I would say uh, I just felt like Darren Chivery needed to be let go. Um, that was the end of my thoughts, pretty much. Um, yeah, I, and I, I thought the defense did surprisingly well, I guess, during that year, especially without Nate Lehman for a lot of it. Um, if you're asking me how I feel now, it's pretty different, but uh, we can get into that uh, as we talk about what happened this offseason, I guess. All right, well, let's dive into this roster a little bit. Well, I wanted to ask you about the, I mean, you were right. Darren Chevrini was let go. Uh, he, as we alluded to, uh, they, they hired uh, Mike Sanford, the Minnesota offensive coordinator. Um, actually pretty much turned over the entire offensive coaching staff with the exception of the running back coach, Darian Hagan, who apparently like is going to 
go to his grave coaching the running backs of Colorado. I think he's survived like four coaching changes at this point. As he should. I mean, all he does is put out great backs, I, you know, and then he's like yeah. the cheapest play, uh, coach in the Pac-12. So and, and win natties too. Like that's right. Uh, anyway, uh, yes, and, and then the other uh, the tight ends coach uh, Clay Patterson also came in um, from Minnesota. Uh, replaced uh, Chevrini was in addition to the OC was the wide receivers coach, so that got taken over by um, Phil McGagan uh, from the NFL, uh, and they picked up Kyle Devan um, to to permanently coach the offensive line uh, from Arizona. Uh, how do you evaluate those hires? On the offensive side, uh, I think overall it was a major upgrade. Um, let's go one by one. Kyle Devan is not Mitch Rodriguez, so huge plus. Um, <laughs> at some point, he has coached at the Power Five level. Arizona players seem to like him, um, and he's kind of young. He played for the Broncos once upon a time, so he kind of knows the area as well. Um, so, if you're going to hire an offensive line coach on a budget, I think hiring a former Pac-12 offensive line coach who knows the area and um, was liked by former players is a pretty good start. Um, so. I thought that was totally fine. Um, Phil McGagan is a great hire. Uh, I really was happy that that was the direction they went. Um, he has bona fides everywhere. Like you said, he was most recently in the NFL game. Stepped away uh, in 2020 due to COVID. He and his family had, like, there were some congenital heart issues there. Um, so he was just pretty cautious and, and stopped coaching. Um, had been trying to get back into coaching since then. Um, and he knew Darrell because he played for Darrell when Darrell was a wide receiver coach in the NFL. Um, hmm. So that was their connection 20 years ago. Uh, he was hired, immediately made a huge difference, um, and is it, well-respected everywhere. He, he developed Zay Jones at ECU, um, if you remember Zay Jones. He was the coach for when Zay Jones had 170 catches um, in the NCAA in one season. That's the record. So um, good hire there, I thought. Um, and better than I expected, resume-wise. Um, what was the other one? Tight ends, Clay Patterson. Also, I would consider an upgrade. Probably the best resume for a tight ends coach we've had in quite some time. Deep Texas Connections. He was a Texas junior college coach for a while and high school coach for a while. Great to see. Colorado always needs to emphasize Texas while recruiting. Um, and, you know, Minnesota used their tight ends frequently. Um, I don't know too much about the ins and outs of tight end coaching and, like, actual on-field coaching differences, but uh, I thought Clay Patterson was a, a pretty good hire who will help on the Texas recruiting trail. Um, and then finally we get to Mike Sanford. And uh, I this was my least favorite of the hires. I still am pretty down on the hire. Um, Mike Sanford has coached everywhere. Um, he's pretty young, but he was the offensive coordinator, quote-unquote, under Brian Kelly at Notre Dame. He was the offensive coordinator, quote-unquote, at Boise State under Harson. He was, uh, did every position coaching at Stanford under David Shaw when he first showed up. Um, you know, was at Minnesota as the offensive coordinator. He was a head coach at 33 at Western Kentucky to disastrous results. Um, mm. So he has been everywhere and has been hired by a lot of well-respected people. Unfortunately for him, almost everywhere he goes, whether it's his scheme, whether he slows it down, offensive stats do not follow. Um, and it, it doesn't look... Like, he doesn't stay a lot of places very long, and it doesn't look like he is supercharging any production. Um, if you dig deeper, pass pace, he's the quarterback's coach and offensive coordinator for Minnesota the past two years. Tanner Morgan's worst two years in college were the past two years um, after having a really good freshman season. What that means for Sanford's development, I don't 
think you can extrapolate all of it, but I don't think it's a good sign. Um, so that worries me a little bit. Um, it's a similar deal at Notre Dame with Deshaun Kaiser when he was there. Um, and I think Ian Book was his main recruit um, at Notre Dame, which worked out okay, but st- he wasn't that heralded. I don't know. He's interesting scheme-wise, definitely slower, definitely more pro-style than, than Darren Chivarini was, um, and that's going to fit what Carl Durrell likes to do. Um, I love that he's going to emphasize the tight end more, um, but I don't think that CU has the personnel to line a bajillion old big uglies like in Minnesota and, and run it down people's throats. Um, that's just not something CU has. So I am wary at best, especially given some of the other candidates that were floated at the time that I would have much preferred. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I went back and listened to our, our previous podcasts for the 2021 season. And like, you know, we we're trying to figure out what kind of offense Shivarini was even going to run. And yeah. like, you know, I remember we were talking about like, like Colorado for some reason had like 12 tight ends in their room. Yeah. Um, they still have too many. Oh, yeah. Kind of crazy. But like, oh, yeah. uh, and I was like, you know, I was sort of like running down the list and their dimensions. And what I saw in film was just like, I would not run a tight end heavy offense with this with this personnel group, like, and then I looked over to the wide receivers and I was like, there's a lot of wide receiver talent. They should just go four wide. And I bet Cheverini would love going four wide because he was at Texas tech. He, you know, he's a wide receiver guy. Uh, and your response was like, yeah, but Darrell won't let him do it. Um, yep. And, uh, it, I, l- let me stop there. Y- you still stand by that theory? Um, I think, there was a difference of overall vision for the team, specifically the offensive side of the team. I don't think Darrell is like run my system. I just think that he wants to be involved and his involvement um, negated the ability to go four wide full speed. And I don't necessarily think going four wide full speed um, with a freshman quarterback would have been the best either. Um, mm. So I, I I think it was proven throughout the course of the year that um, Darren Chivarini's scheming abilities weren't up to par <laughs> anyways. Um, so I I don't think anything would have worked. But yeah, I, I think Darrell, whenever he's here, will absolutely always lean towards a more, more pro-style, um, slower offense regardless. And he will hire people to fit that when he has the ability to. Well, I, I mean, the reason that I ask is just like, it sort of removes any sort of confusion or doubt about what, the, you know, what the offense is probably going to look like, you know, like, yeah. like, like we watched the spring game and the spring game was very, very vanilla as they tend to be, um, yeah. you know, uh, but I, I, one thing that sort of had my eyebrows raised is like, Hmm, this is a lot more 11 personnel. Like this is, you know, where's the second tight end. And then the second half of the spring game, like the, they were doing two down sets or two tight end sets. And, and I was like, ah, this is the real thing. This is, this is what they're going to be doing. And, uh, yeah, you know, I fully expect that. Um, you know, I, I agree. I, I wound up doing a, a little bit of film study on Minnesota because they played Ohio state in week one and Oregon played them in week two. Mm-hmm. Um, so like I, I had to learn a little bit about, you know, what Minnesota wanted to do. And I was sort of like, Oh wow, this is a lot of, uh, um, this is, yeah, as as you described, a bunch of big uglies up front and just run the ball down their throat. And and I was thinking about you know Colorado's offensive line troubles last year. And and you know when we get to the offensive line, we'll talk about it again. I I sort of think they're looking at something somewhat similar. Uh, and I'm like, oh boy, you know how's this going to go? Um, but let's talk about the quarterback first. Uh, you know, 
I think a lot of people were expecting it to be JT Shroud last year, and then he got injured. Yeah. Um, and they wound up going with Brendan Lewis. Um, to be honest, I, I, I didn't hate Brendan Lewis. I, I, I think that kid's got a lot of potential. Um, uh, I wish you were a little bit taller. Uh, but, you know, beyond that, like, I, I really think m- most of the problems sort of had to do with the fact that, like, the offensive line stunk and the you know, the, the scheme was just not friendly to he, what he wanted to do. And when sort of Colorado in an attempt to save its season sort of like opened up their offense a little bit more, I thought he was doing better, you know, in the second half of the season, um, uh, you know, cause I think that's the skill set. but I, I guess, I, you know, there's a bunch of dudes in the room now. Shrout is uh, healthy. I mean, there's a bunch of dudes in the room. I think I count seven different dudes on scholarship. Um, I kind of I I think that Brendan Lewis's job is in jeopardy. Um, I I sort of expect it's going to be Shroud, and I think one of the reasons they brought in like four new quarterbacks, including two guys from the transfer portal, um, Maddox Cop and James Mott, is that um, Darrell doesn't want to play Lewis. What do you think? Um, I think that it's probably going to be JT Shroud's job to lose. Um, yeah, I think he is the clubhouse leader. Um. Yeah, I, I think that Darrell really likes his arm talent. I, I really like his arm talent. Um, just I, well, I haven't seen him. Like he, he was injured last year and 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 he was held out of the spring game. So, I don't uh, know yeah, he think. was doing. I guess I don't know if they televised that, but yeah, but he was doing like one on one receiver drill throws. Um, and, yeah, but he wasn't like playing. It was no, like no, just no. watching a guy in shorts, you know, yep. throw. And he wasn't even really throwing down the field. He was throwing a bunch of no. you know, flat routes. Uh, yes. Yeah, you, so, yeah, yeah. So, what, what's your, what's your evaluation of his arm talent? I think he has the best arm. Um, I think that's why he went to Tennessee too. If you watch any of those Tennessee games, he he, he thinks he has the best arm. <laughs> he will throw <laughs> whatever he wants. Um, and I, I think he's actually semi athletic. Um, but I, I also think he is pocket passer first. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I like you said, since he's been in Colorado, we haven't seen much of him. He got hurt last spring and he was hurt again or not clear for contact at least this spring um so it's we haven't seen him under any live pressure so the, the last thing I have to go on is his freshman year at Tennessee and and obviously we hope he's matured since then it's been two years so I yeah I don't know um I I think he will probably have I mean I guess Steven Montez had a great arm too and I, I think JT Shroud will probably be similar in terms of arm talent I just worry uh, about the, the, the decision-making. I worry about his ability to escape the pocket. As you mentioned, there will be offensive line issues this year. Um, and yeah, the, the, the Ralphie Report is a pro-Brendan Lewis publication, and we have mm. been since he got the job. We, I personally really like what Brendan Lewis did last year and what would be impossible odds for an 18-year-old college quarterback, I think. Um, so... I mean, honestly, I think that Colorado would be better off if they uh, got rid of Carl Drell and put Ralphie Report, you know, in charge of the team. Like, <laughs> hey. and, and the Ralphie Report putting in Brendan Lewis and having an offense that, like, makes more sense for Brendan Lewis, I, <laughs> I think would be the best way to utilize the talent that's on the on the field. Yeah. So, you know, I'm in 100% support of you, Jack. That um, would also make you our first te- official Pac-12 right. coach on the show, too. So, yeah. that'd be a big hit for us. So. And we'd be doing, I'd be making sure we get massive NIL. We'd be doing Twitch Plays Football. Every play oh. is, uh, is chosen by the Twitch chat before we run it. 
uh, for money, and that that all of that money gets pooled into the NIL. I mean, honestly, how, like how how much Dude. worse could it get, right? You know, like, <laughs> I guess you could lose to Washington. Idea. That seems like an impossibility at this yeah, point. Well, yeah. Well, as you mentioned, we had less than 100 yards against Minnesota. I bet Twitch could pull that off too. Um, yeah. So, um, anyways, yeah, I, I I think Brendan Lewis will also unfortunately lose a job this year. I think that would be a mistake. I really like his toughness, and I like the fact that he can escape a lot of things. I think he's a pretty good runner, too. Um, and I, I actually don't think he's he's that bad with his arm, either. Um, so I, I would hope that, that CU sticks with them. I don't think they will. And like you mentioned, plenty of reinforcements uh, coming from the portal. They actually kept Drew Carter, as well, who was another true freshman mm-hmm. last year that played a few series um, every once in a while. Um, and, yeah... There's there will be options for sure. Um, I just think that I think Shroud is the clubhouse leader. Who, uh, who do you think the primary backup is? Uh, Lewis. It'll it'll be Lewis. I think Carter yeah. has actually lost his job to Max Cop. I think Max Cop is probably good. the the second backup, like number three in the room, is Cop, yes. the transfer from Houston. Yeah. yeah. Uh, all right, that makes sense to me. Um, Last question that I have about the quarterbacks, because I'm not certain uh, if he's a quarterback or not, is they took a recruit um, in 2022 class named Oki Salavea, um, yeah. who's like a do-everything kind of dude, and one of the positions that he played was quarterback, and so I figured I'd ask you about him in the quarterback competition. Um, wh- where is he going to play? Do you know? Safety. He's going to play safety. You think he's going to play safety? All right. Yeah. I will, I will move him around. That's, um, a, that's a CU legacy right there. Really? What's the story? Oakland Salavea was roommates with Salonesi. Um, if you know who Salonesi is, nice. the origin of the Colorado football dynasty under Bill McCartney. Um, so uh, Salonesi, as as some people may know, tragically died during the 1990 national title run. Um, and Salavea was very close with him. So um, when Oki Salavea popped on the radar late in the recruiting cycle, I was hoping that they, they grab him. Um, played in American Samoa, just like out of nowhere, you know, pretty hard to get his name out there. Um, and, and see you snatched him up as a, like you said, do everything. He was quarterback because he just touched the ball every play on his like seven on seven high school team. It was something huh. crazy. It, I, it, anyways, yes, he will be playing safety. All right, let's talk about the running backs. Um, I, I have liked Colorado's running backs room for uh, quite a while. Unfortunately, they honestly, yes, they're hard uh, to hate. They're a good group of guys. Even even in 2016, I still liked Philip Magic. I still did. Uh, it, oh, it's definitely a hard running group, and like they don't get a lot of favors from their offensive line, um, nope. except for that one year with Chris Kapilovich. But again, we'll talk about the offensive line later. Losing uh, Jarek Broussard, uh, the number one rusher, the 2020 offensive player. To Mel year. Tucker. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, the the uh, two other guys also hopped in the portal. Uh, Ashad uh, Clayton, um, who's yep. a four star, I think you know high expectations for him. Yes. Um, and uh, Josiah Davis, who I think was a walk on, but you know got a, like a carrier too, um, or 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 you know in one game. Um, yes. I think that's all the departures. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. Um, bringing back uh, Alex Fontenot, uh, who I've always liked. He's been there forever. I, I think he's a senior. Um. Yeah, uh, although he, I think he was held out in the spring game. I didn't see him, but I think he will be available in the fall, right? Yeah. He was injured in the spring game. Supposedly nothing. Um, supposedly not a big deal, like a soft tissue thing. So he should be available mm-hmm. in the fall. Uh, also returning, uh, Dion Smith, who was a, a backup last year. Uh, you know, he was he, his his 
I, I didn't get a whole ton of eyes on him, but like his rushing numbers are pretty much in line with the rest of the group. Um, uh, a couple other returners, I think two walk-ons um, who we saw in the spring game, Charlie Offerdahl and Noah Wagner. Um, yeah. Uh, also, uh, Jaylee Stacks uh, had a carrier too. Uh, I love Jaylee Stacks. Uh, if you love him so much, why do you only get one carry last year? Because uh, <laughs> you're not running the team. Is that... Yeah. Uh, I, you know, you could, you could. That you wouldn't could, happen in the Ralphie you report. You could write a book right? about no. uh, the way that Shivarini used certain pieces on the offense. But, um, I guess just because he didn't fit what they wanted to do, um, but mm. he's a he's a bowling ball of fun. He is thick uh, and stout, and he lets it all out. And any, I mean, I don't know. I watched one game of Mike Stanford's offense, and now I'm an expert. Um, <laughs> uh, seems like he digs that kind of back. You think we'll see more of him in 2022? I uh, yes, I absolutely do. Well, in that case, it'd be a real crowded room uh, between him and Smith and Fontenot and the transfer that they got from, I think, Sam Houston State, somewhere in the, the FCS, uh, Ramon Jefferson, um, who was a thousand yard rusher uh, yes. at, at the FCS level and and an old hand. You know, I think he came in in 2017. Yep. Um, uh, that'd be, a, according to you, four different uh, pretty good running backs. What did you think? Uh, w- what would you think the the rotation would look like? Um, yeah, so I think Fontenot and Jefferson would probably be one, two, um, with Deion Smith and incoming freshman Victor Venn probably being three, four. Um, and I, yes. So I I know that Darian Hagen loves Victor Venn. Um, and, and I do as well. Um, but you know, he track star, six, a Georgia football player, um, crazy story about how it, how, how he got recruited. They talked about on the, the signing day um, <laughs> podcast or signing day uh, not podcast, whatever they did, the video um, portion of it as, as the players are coming in. Darian Hagan secured the commitment because he had a flag. He just picked a flag, a random flag emoji he thought looked cool. Um, that ended up being the Nigerian flag. And Victor Venn's dad was like, you're going to go play for him. He, he loves <laughs> Nigeria. Like, wow. you know, he, and, and, nice. and Darren Hagen was telling the story and he just goes like, I didn't know what he was talking about, but he's saying that his kid is going to play for me. So I said, hell yeah, let's do it. Yeah, it was a crazy story. Super funny, but they forged a bond and um, he loved it out here. He's coming out of his teammate. Another kind of Broussard special, quicker than fast, a little short, definitely stouter than expected between the tackles. I would expect Victor Venn to play pretty quickly. Um, huh. With stacks being in rotational pieces, good pass blocker, good run blocker, um, good in the goal line. Um, yeah, I, I just, yeah, I think he's going to be fun to watch. I don't think Ven was on campus for spring ball. No. Um, and I don't think the other freshman, who's the last guy we haven't mentioned yet, um, Anthony Hankerson, I don't think he was on campus for spring ball either, right? He might not be on campus for the fall. I believe he's a gray shirt candidate. Um, oh, really? Depending on how scholarships shake out. So, yeah. Yep. All right. Uh, well, I could see Colorado taking some help in a couple other places. So, um, through the portal over the summer. So, that is, uh, I definitely could see that as being as a possibility. Okay. Let's talk about the tight ends. Uh, always our favorite player because we get to talk about uh, Brady Russell. 
uh, who's been there forever. Uh, I feel yes. like uh, we have talked more about Brady Russell um, than like his parents have over the last couple of years. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, was, I mean, the thing that's that was funny about it, as I mentioned, they were, you know, uh, Colorado was for some reason carrying around a dozen uh, tight ends. Um, they've lost, I think, five of them uh, out of the room. Yeah. Um, they, but they still have too many because they're not using them uh, because they just throw all the balls to Brady Russell, right? Like he gets mm-hmm. 25 receptions. Everybody else gets five um like combined um what's uh i I mean there's an easy read of that which is that brady russell's the only person who can catch a football uh is that (laughs) you know a fair interpretation last year i think for sure yeah um definitely the best and most reliable option the other options at tight end were either injured or too young um or generally did not fit a uh, a Pac-12 level schedule or, or level of player. Um, so I think this year you're going to see a little bit more tight end uh, love spread around, especially because you'll see more than one on the field at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that's partially because some of the younger ones have, have grown up a little bit um, and they should offer a little bit more of an intriguing athletic option compared to Brady. Well, the guy that I was seeing in the spring game, the other guy besides Brady Wilson was Eric Olson. Um, yeah. Who actually looks big enough to play the role at this point, um, even though I think he's he's going to just be a second year in the program. Yep. Um, he was a high three-star. Um, Brady Russell, notably a you know, former walk-on, I believe. Yep. Um, uh, like I said, they lost a bunch. Matt Lynch, Alec Pell, uh, Blaine Toll, who was there for like five minutes and might have been a defensive <laughs> lineman. Um, Jared Poplowski, CJ Smansky, who was the other interesting, like he was a walk on and was getting catches and was uh, in, you know, the previous season. Yeah. And I was, you know, one of the reasons I was like, why are they carrying like a dozen, you know, tight ends and throwing the ball to the walk ons? Yeah. Um, uh, I expect it's going to be, you know, Russell and Olsen simply because I'm just not seeing, you know, th- there's, there's five returners. The others are Caleb Foria, the, um, I believe the son of Christian Foria, the, yes. the Colorado great, uh, tight yep. end, um, Austin Smith, Louis Passarello. And I believe they got a true freshman, Zach Courtney. Um, mm-hmm. so there'll be six in the room, which is a little more appropriate. Um, uh, but still like I, you know, I'm just looking at their weights and, and who knows, maybe they'll, you know, hit the training table over the, the, the summer, but like, they're all very young. Like Foria is 235. Smith is 225. Um, Passarello is a little heavier, but he's a low three-star, uh, you know, is Courtney wasn't on campus yet. I just sort of think by process of elimination, you know, there are six guys in the room, but I think there's only going to be two of them who are going to be playable. And that's Russell and Olsen. And I think that's, that's it. You know, I think it's sort of end of the story. What, what do you think? Uh, I think you'll see some Caleb Fourier this year. I think All he's right. definitely slight, but he played once again, a little bit of the spring. I don't remember if he was in the actual drive areas, but um, and, and, and prior and not even in the spring showcase in prior, like open scrimmages or open practices, Caleb Fourier was featured pretty heavily in the office. Oh, really? No, oh, I did um, not see him. Okay, that's good. Yeah, I, I don't remember if he was held out. I don't remember exactly where he was for the spring showcase, but he definitely has been around this spring um, and is a really good pass catching option. I don't think he'll be on anywhere near pass or run blocking. Um, Brady Russell is still your best option there. And well, Maybe Eric that's Olsen. it. Maybe I had him confused with a wide receiver. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, he, he's definitely, yeah, he definitely looks like that <laughs> right now. Um, but he's he runs hard on the outside there, and I think 
you'll see him from time to time. Um, okay. and, and the hope is that Fourier and Olsen can take the reins this year um, and really run with it. Because like you mentioned, they both have a much more traditional, what you think of when you're looking at a tight end. Um, they're both 6'5", and if they can bulk out a little bit, they'll definitely be able to be those elk uh, downfield. Uh, yeah, I definitely, you know, I, I would want to see Fourier add a couple of, you know, 235 is just a little too light. I mean, that's just like a big wide receiver. Um, uh, and Brady Russell's got to be out of eligibility, you know, for next year. Yes. Uh, or next year's sixth and I mean. final year. Yes. Yeah. So, um, you know, it, it, it's funny because it's like he, him who's been there since the Obama administration and then, <laughs> you know, five freshmen, you know, they're they're all, you know, technically categorized as freshmen because they're 2020s or 2021s yeah. or, yeah. or in Courtney's case, 2022. Um, it's just like, you know, the, the old man and the kids. Um, uh, do, do you think, you know, last year I I, I said to you, like, this, I would not be using this tight end unit really at all. Um, you know, I, I'd have, you know, Brady Russell split out and then three other wide receivers um, would, would be my preferred offense. Uh, it's looking like that's not what it's going to be. Um, do you think that this tight end unit is appropriate to the offense that you expect to see? Interesting question. Appropriate to the offense? I think no. I think they are actively looking to add more tight ends to get back to Terrell's comfort zone of 12, I guess. Um, but they, they, yeah, they were looking at options, even the transfer portal, I believe, like as, as late as this spring, but I don't think they ended up um, taking anyone there. Um, but they, they are recruiting heavily in this, this next upcoming class as well. There's um, two on board already out of, I think, 11 commits for the 2023 class. So hmm. um, they are absolutely trying to add more tight ends. So in that way, I don't think it is appropriate. Um, I think you'll still see one or two on the field for every offensive play. I don't think there's going to be many where there's no tight end on the field hmm. for CU this year. Uh, oh, I, I definitely think you're right about that. It's just a question of like, you know, simply because, you know, we didn't really see Olsen or Foria or, or anybody except for, for Brady Russell of the returners, um, you know, last year, they're young, you know, there's an experience deficit. Uh, and, you know, if they're looking for the portal, like good luck finding a six six two sixty guy in the portal. Right. Like, you know, you, it's hard to recruit those guys, you know, much less find unattached, you know, available guys floating around in the portal right. like that, you know, that's a unicorn. Um, I mean, I guess I wouldn't be surprised given how hungry for tight ends Carl Durrell seems to be. If they <laughs> took another one over the summer. It's just like, I sort of expect they'll, you know, they'll get another, you know, six, four, two thirty guy. And then it's like, well, you already had those like, <laughs> you know, uh, but I guess we'll have to wait and see on that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's start with the wide receivers. Um, okay losing quite a bit uh Tough. here yeah <laughs> this is, it is rough yeah. um losing brendan rice uh another like son of a great one uh son of jerry um uh-huh. losing dimitri stanley losing levante chenault a, a brother of a great one um yeah. uh losing chris carpenter who i think had seven catches last year uh and losing uh keith miller um who i don't think had any catches but was a little weird yeah. that he transferred out because he was a kid um uh, i think those are the five losses i miss anybody no, um, no, you didn't. Those are the okay. those are the five losses. It's just they're all transfer portals, you know. Like th- this was a a pretty young group, and like I guess they really loved Darren Chavarini, you know, and or like, <laughs> or uh, or also they were upset that their wide receiver coach, offensive coordinator, somehow managed to only throw them at most like thirty catchable balls over the course of a twelve game season. Uh, who can say? But um, 
given where Stanley and Rice ended up, I think they made the right choice. Um, yeah. So I, I, you know, I think Brendan Rice is going to have a fun time catching passes from Caitlin Williams at USC. Uh, damn it! Yeah, you it's going to be Nolan Ross. <laughs> what are you kidding? Um, uh, bringing back uh, Daniel Arias, who I've always liked. Uh, bring back yeah. Montana Lamonius Craig, who I love even him. if I didn't like him, I love his name. Um, but but mm-hmm. I do like him. Uh, bring back uh, Chase Penry, who got a few catches last year, although um, I don't Slot think I saw him. Yeah, uh, I don't think I saw him in the spring game. Well, it's interesting. I think he's going to have a fight for the slot man because uh, uh, they also they get back from injury Maurice Bell, who's also I think built like a slot guy. I love guy. Maurice Bell. Yeah, uh, and then they brought in from. Well, let me finish the returners. Um, uh, they also bring back uh, Ty Robinson. He's built like an outside receiver. He got a couple of catches last year, but he was also held out um, in the spring game. Maurice Bell, as I said, was injured for all of last year. Um, mm-hmm. uh, Jalen Jackson, who's also he's a senior, but he's built like a, uh, a slot guy. That I think yep. those are the six returners um, on scholarship anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, and and then to replace all the guys who they lost, they brought in a you know a pretty big class. They brought in um, a, a transfer from Baylor, uh, R.J. Sneed, um, who had like forty six catches last year, but only you know only for twelve and a half uh, uh, per reception. Which, given his height and where he was lining up in the spring game, was like ah, oh, this is a slot receiver possession you know kind of guy. Which is why I say I think you know hmm. Henry and and you know okay. it's like I think they've got a bunch of inside receivers is what I'm trying to say here you know like they uh, I would peg you know Penry and Maurice Bell and Jalen Jackson and RJ Sneed as all potentially inside receivers and it's like that's too many inside receivers um I mean hell be too many inside receivers in a four wide offense and right. we spent this whole time talking about like they're going to put maybe two wide receivers on the field um yeah it it's kind of crazy because I I, I kind of think like I sort of like this crew. Um, And and then, you know, I haven't even mentioned there's, there's four freshmen, uh, you know, uh, uh, Jordan Tyson, Grant Page, uh, Chase Sowell on scholarship. And then Jack Hester, the walk-on who was catching everything in the spring game. Um, (laughs) Like, like I, I, I kind of think this is a a pretty decent looking, you know, wide receiver crew. It's not the most like talented wide receiver, you know, no one's going to mix this up with USC's, you know, wide receiver group, but I think it definitely think it's capable. There's a lot of experience here, but like, uh, again, you know, we the reason why we let off talking about Mike Sanford and Carl Durrell and what the offense is and if the tight end unit is, you know, appropriate to the offense is like, I would be going for wide again. I like this wide receiver group a lot more than I like the tight end group. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think it's, you know, in, in in particular, the inside receiver problem, like inside receivers are the guys who get eaten by tight ends, right? Like you always keep your right. flankers on the field. Um uh, I, you know, this, uh, Jack, I, look, I, I hate to start waving this flag so soon, but like, this really looks like mismanagement to me. Um, if they're not putting all these guys on the field, uh, you think I'm wrong about that? Um, I think it's a little bit too early to say, hmm. um, I, I definitely agree with you. There's a, a lot of talent, especially holdover talent, um, that I would hope sees the field at some point. I don't think they are going to go for wide to allow them all to see the field. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I'm a little bit f- more down on some of the returning talent than you are. Uh, oh, okay. I, 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 I like Daniel Arias as an idea. Um, but when it, whenever I see him play, it, it feels more like lost potential than, than anything. A lot of, a lot of drops on deep balls. Um, yeah. and he, he can, he has a really good frame and I think he's a really good 
Uh, I think he's guy. the biggest guy in the room, right? Yeah, he's, he's 6'3". He's like over 200. He can run really well. And I think he's a really good teammate. Um, just uh, There's some scars in my head, I guess, from when uh. he dropped some some balls. Um, and I love Maurice Bell, but he has not been able to stay healthy. It's the same thing with Jalen Jackson. Um, so in the end, we're coming down to what I would consider like dependable returners. Chase Penry is semi there. If you want to count like 10 catches as a freshman, dependable. Um, and I, I think he has a pretty good potential. Um, and then Montana Lemonius Craig, I think is one of the, the, the guy you can point to the most. Um, and I think he's, he's probably the, the best of the group. I really like Montana Lemonius Craig. Um, really, and he has a good connection with Brendan Lewis, which might not matter if, if JT Shots mm-hmm. gets the job. But, um, I don't know. I, I, I think you might be right about our Disney being an inside receiver. He was Baylor's leading receiver two years ago. Um, when he was there, I don't think that CU will play him there. I think CU is going to try to play him on the outside. Okay. Um, and he's actually, I think, also another legacy. Interesting there as well. Oh, really? I yeah. didn't know that. What's the story? Roderick Sneed was his his father. Uh, I'm pretty sure. Huh. Yep. So, um, anyways, I, I think you're going to see Sneed and Montiel Lemoyne's Craig the most on the outside, with a a third body rotating in. That might be any one of Chase Penry, Daniel Arias, uh, Jalen Jackson, Maurice Bell. Um, I don't think you're going to see many freshmen. Ty Robinson potentially um, might sneak in there. Yeah, it's it's going to be underutilized for for how deep that talent pool is. I guess I put it this way: you know, if Colorado has problems on offense uh, next season. Uh, and we're looking for a culprit the way that last year we, you roped me into figuring out what the culprit was. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I don't think the culprit is going to be, um, a, a talent, uh, or capability problem or a number of bodies problem at wide receiver. Like that would be pretty much the last thing. Maybe the running backs would be the last thing. This would be like the second to last thing that I would think of as, as the problem. If Colorado's offense has a problem, what do you think about that take? Uh, yeah, they would be pretty low on my list, especially because I think Phil McGigan, uh, is actually a better coach coach than CU's had the wide receiver spot in a long time. I think, mm. I think he knows what he's doing, um, out there. And I, I like the fact that the wide receiver coach doesn't have to split duties with also being an offensive coordinator, um, which should help him, uh, coach, like teach out there. Um, so I, I would expect them to be, yeah, very low on the list of things that get CU in trouble this year. Well, let's talk about something that might be uh, high on the list. Then the the offensive line. Um, so this was this was definitely the problem uh, last year. Um, it had that weird bump, you know, when they fired the OL coach. Colorado very helpfully. Please tell me what the name of the stats and information person who works for Colorado is. Dave Platty. Dave Platty. I uh, Dave, if you're listening, I love you, man. Uh, this dude <laughs> produces live. You know, every week it up, gets updated, the PDF that has a complete statistical rundown of everything that's happening with the Colorado Buffaloes, including all the offensive line snaps, and he grades them, which means that me and Dave <laughs> Platty are like, I believe, the only two people on the West Coast who are grading offensive linemen. Um, so, like, unlike every other team, I can be extremely certain uh, when I talk about snap counts for Colorado. Um, <laughs> they they did something, some funky moving around of players in, in the A&M game, but other than that, it was fairly clear who the five starters were left to right. Uh, it was Jake Wiley at left tackle, Kerry Cooch at left guard, Colby Purcell at center, Casey Roddick at right guard, Frank Phillip at right tackle. 
um, had a little bit of backup action for Kanan Ray and Max Ray, who are spell their name differently, and mm-hmm. Chance Lytle. Um, but all three of those guys have departed. Yes. Um, uh, uh, and then a little bit of time each for um, uh, Jared Christian Lichtenhan, uh, Noah Fenske, who's the transfer from Iowa, Austin Johnson, uh, all those three guys are returning, and then kind of not much for anybody else. I think the uh, the other departures look like uh, Kerry Cooch and Colby Purcell, the starting left guards and, and center, yeah. and a couple of deep backups, uh, Joshua Giants and Carson Lee. Yes. So so eight dudes leaving the offensive line room is like, that's a lot of dudes leaving the offensive line room, of which, you know, two were starters and then the three most used backups. Um, should I read that as like panic time in the offensive line room? How, how should I interpret that? Um, I think the first three names you mentioned leaving is what is actually going to be impactful. Um, so... I think Chance Lytle leaving, Kenan Ray leaving. Um, oh my God, I just forgot the Max other, Ray, the Max Ohio Ray, State Max May yeah. be retiring. Um, yeah, those three things are going to be hurtful because I think those three would have been in contention for starting or in the rotation. I um, I definitely agree uh, in that sense. Um, so like uh, you know, presumably it, it looks very clear that Wiley and Roddick and Phillip, the left tackle, right guard, right tackle, are going to retain their jobs and their spots. And and why wouldn't they? I guess. So what were those three again? Uh, I said it looks like Jake Wiley, the left tackle, uh, Casey Roddick, the right guard, Frank Phillip, the right tackle, the starters yes. from last year are going to not only continue to be starters, but at the same spots. Um, in fact, they seemed like very reluctant to move those guys during the spring game. Mm-hmm. I think you're right about losing Ray Ray and Lytle um, because those guys, I, you know, I probably would have penciled in plugging in for Cooch and Purcell, but they're gone. I watched Noah Fenske snapping the ball uh, in the spring game and I wasn't mm-hmm. wild about him. Uh, I watched uh, a little bit of uh, Austin Johnson snapping the ball and I wasn't wild about him. I'm, I'm, you know, how you find a guard among all these dudes, like, you know, probably won't be that difficult, but finding a center is tough. And I don't know that uh, Colorado has one. Like I'd be worried about this. What do you think? Uh, I agree. I think the coaching staff agrees. That is probably the biggest thing they're looking for over the summer is if they can find someone who can learn an offense pretty quick and snap the ball consistently. Um, I know that, that, that was something they're looking for in the transfer portal for a while. Um, it is a, a hired gun at center for sure. That is the biggest worry point for me as well. And where they've lost a lot, Colby, Colby Purcell has been there forever. Um, Giants was a backup there that played Carson Lee was like slated to be the next in line, um, before he moved on and Kerry Kutch had some time there. So, um, you lost a lot of candidates and you're putting a lot of faith in people who have not played a lot of college football. Well, I mean, there's. I mean, there's other than the guys that we've mentioned, the the three returning starters, the three um, returning backups. There's there's only five other returners in the room, of whom three are walk-ons, and and two of those walk-ons were the guys I was seeing in the spring game in like the B rotation, um, Seval and Resnick. Um, they um, they've taken two guys in addition to some freshmen, which we're not going to see the freshmen. Let's be realistic. Uh, is Carl Durrell, uh, right. like the arch conservative. Um, <laughs> the, the, they took two guys out of the transfer portal, uh, Luke Eckhart, uh, a low three star from Arizona. Um, 
I don't know what to think about Eckhart uh, and uh, and Tommy Brown from Alabama, who is a four star, actually relatively high uh, four star. Um, yeah, but that dude's built like a tackle. I'm not really sure that uh, that he's the um, he's the answer at center. And I'm also a little kind of you know weirded out about a grad student from Bama, who, you know, who never broke into the lineup. Um, I don't. And I'm also kind of curious about why I didn't see him in the spring game. What's the deal? You think Tommy Brown's going to play? He will play. That was a small injury during the spring game uh, um, that held him out. I mean, and like you said, Carl Durrell, arch conservative. He does not care how watch- how watchable the spring game is. Um, he will hold out 90% of starters if they say that, uh, you know, someone insulted them on the way to the football field. So, mm. um, yeah, it, it is he – will, he will play. He will likely play at one of the guard spots. I know they like him at I – think, I think left guard is what um, he's going to end up landing that at. makes sense. i mean he's built like a tackle but whatever he's 330 pounds you're not gonna be able to yeah. move him or most uh pac-12 defensive linemen are not gonna be able to move him yeah he's he's pretty big and i would say he's probably one of the more naturally talented players on the team i, I put him in the top 10 to top five in terms of natural talent um he, he looks like a really he looks like your prototypical offensive lineman which is which is good well, um, i believe Luke he's Eckert. the only four star that colorado took in you know be- between the freshman and the portal guys like i yeah. mean this was sort of the tragic thing about colorado's talent situation was they lost nine four stars to departures or of one way or another and then only took one in and that's yeah. tommy brown um yep but but he doesn't have like snapping experience right he's not gonna play center no yeah. um yeah, and, and neither will Luke Eckhart. Eckert, that's a tackle prospect as well. That I, yeah. I think he transferred in because Kyle Devan initially recruited him at Arizona. Um, so there's familiarity there. Um, and then there is also a a junior college tackle, Alex Harkey, coming in um, after the spring. So uh, he will also not be playing center. Um, yeah. They, yeah. So it, it, I think it's a a two man race between Austin Johnson and. Uh, no offense right now. And like you mentioned, both of them, uh, I will say there's work <laughs> to do. So, yeah. Yeah. I just, you know, this was the unit that killed them last year. Uh, the, the, the number of departures is kind of scary. Yep. Um, they, they will have had three often, they will have had four offensive line coaches in four years. Woo! Uh, right. K- Kapilovich, uh, uh, Rodriguez, the interim yep. guy, and now Devan, yep. um, which is like, who you know i i just i was i recorded a podcast you know last night in which i ranted you know at length about how the portal is never the answer for offensive line like it has to be built organically and that if you fall into an offensive line hole it takes you like five years to climb out because yep. like it ain't gonna happen in one recruiting class like you yep. and, and like colorado is like the opposite of stability at offensive line you know all these departures in like you know four offensive line coaches in four years um it's you know, I would be worried about a repeat performance here or maybe even being worse. Um, and if that's the case, I just don't see how this type of offense would be successful. And so, Jack, you know, I, I don't know if you're planning a parade after this uh, podcast, but I'm here to rain on it. I am do not have high expectations of this offense. Uh, what, do you think I'm off base? Uh, no, I completely agree with you. Uh, and we can we can talk about this more at the end with the overall season prediction. But, yeah, I am um, – I, I, I think going uh, – it's hard to think of a bigger whiplash uh, than Mike Sanford going from Daniel Falele and four All-Big Ten five-year super seniors in Minnesota um, to what he's walking into at Colorado, um, which, which has precious few veterans, precious little experience, 
not that much size um, and definitely not that much development. So um, I think it is going to be a an adventure um, and probably not a, probably not one that ends happily. So um, yeah, I, I I agree with you. I think interestingly somehow uh, CU actually I like some of the guys they brought in in 2022's freshman class. Um, that won't matter for like two or three years, but mm-hmm. you know, hey. You're I talking like about uh, Carter Edwards, Vian Wells, Travis Gray. Yeah, I think that's actually a really pretty good um, foundational class. I'd like a few more in there, but Travis Gray is a local tackle that has plenty of size and potential. Mm-hmm. Um, Van Wells is a interior lineman from Texas that's ready-made for center, has some pretty good offers. Um, and same with Carter Edwards. He was out of Mississippi, somehow came to CU for the aerospace engineering and, and is, uh, you know, rejected a bunch of sec offers so um i i like those guys um but like you said they're not helping this year yeah tough. yeah yeah it's, i i do think it's going to be tough and i think what's going to be even you know more tough is and i've alluded to this a couple of times you know already but like you know given the skill talent and i like lewis you know i, I think there's uh, it, it, I, when I was watching Arizona uh, last year, because Arizona was uh, Oregon's um, uh, Pac-12 opener as their week four game, uh, Arizona had lost their first three games, um, including to Northern uh, Arizona. I remember. Um, and, uh, and it was crazy because I was watching like two quarterbacks who, you know, should have been better as pocket passers, um, just completely stink up the field uh, in an offense that just like could not support the pro style playbook that um, yep. did Jed fish wanted to run. And, uh, and it was funny cause I was recording with our, our, our good friend, Brian Conger and both of us, you know, the week before they played Oregon, you know, both of us had the same like brainwave at the same time, which was like the smart move would be for Jed fish to jettison this, you know, NFL style playbook, given that he doesn't have any NFL talent switch to you know jordan mcleod who had come in from uh usf as a running quarterback um and and, you know run a like wide open offense and that jed fish actually would have the ability to do that because like he has this like vast library of of experience where he's done a million different things and like and sure enough that was exactly what they did um and it was like freaky that we predicted it you know that accurately uh the the when I look at Colorado, I, it's sort of like I, I feel like I'm seeing Arizona all over again. Like I, I feel like I'm seeing the same problems uh, in terms of both the personnel and the kind of playbook that they're going to try to impose on this talent. Um, and that there's a solution, which is to, you know, go wide, go to the the more mobile, you know, quarterback, you know, don't try to like hang out behind an offensive line that can't sustain it. But the problem is they're not going to have the Jedfish option of, you know, becoming a wide open offense because he hired Mike Sanford. Um, (laughs) And I'm sort of like, I I feel like that's going to be like the thing that's really going to torture you is is that like, there is a solution here, but Carl Durrell won't, won't pull that switch, you know? Mm. Um, Yeah. I, I, I think he will not. Um, I, I am a little more dubious on the success of, of any scheme. Um, That's see you will run next year, (laughs) but um. I, I think, yeah, they, that the option to switch would definitely not cross uh, cross their minds. So um, they're going to work with what they don't have, I guess. Yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, all right. Let's switch over to talk about the defense. Um, 
So uh, again, a little bit of a change here, not as uh, drastic as the offense. Uh, Chris Wilson will continue to be the defensive coordinator, but he's not going to be the defensive line coach anymore. That's that was you know the, the weird thing yeah. uh, was that he was the defensive line coach that was then promoted to be the defensive coordinator when right. um, when Ty Summers got fired. Uh, he will be surrendering that to uh, Gerald Chapman um, yeah. from Tulane. At first, they thought they were going to have uh, Vic Soto from oh, I was USC. Excited. Oh, I was uh, yeah, I would have been too. I think he's actually a pretty good defensive line coach. Yeah. But then Cal offered them the job, and he was like, "I guess he was like, I'd rather live in Berkeley than Boulder." Uh, I like leads. Yeah, leads legal in both places. Drama there, where Darrell came out in the press conferences like he's just returning to his family, his family stuff, and then Vic Soto went on Twitter and was, was like, like it's "No, I not hate my family, family stuff." No, like, don't my family is stupid. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was like he he went out of his way. To, like it felt like that was like a graceful way out. To you know, it almost yeah. felt like Carl Durrell was trying to like save him some face. Like, no, you're not a traitor. Yeah. You just needed right. You know, but he was yeah. like, he's like, despite my family, <laughs> yeah. I'm leaving here. Like, okay. Just saying, no, I'm not ever seeing my family again because you said that. Yeah, no, uh, it was <laughs> it was a weird thing that happened. Uh, and, and then, the, I mean, I don't really know anything about Gerald Chapman, but, you know, he will be taking over. Um, okay. The, yeah. uh, Wilson is going to be switching to coaching the outside linebackers. Uh, yes. Mark Smith will continue coaching the ILBs. But the OLBs was was previously coached by uh, Brian Mikulowski, who's yeah. like promoted to an analyst. And I remember when we talked in the past, you were like, Mikulowski kind of proved something to me because he's a pretty great recruiter. But I like he's like, still, yeah. But he's just simply like not retained. Um, now he's like he's like the odd man out. Um, so he's out on his ass. Uh, so you know that's interesting. Um, and then Oregon and uh, Colorado swapped cornerbacks yeah, coaches. Yeah. Uh, uh, D- Demetrius Martin um, went from Colorado to Oregon. Yep. Uh, and Oregon gave back uh, Rod Chance. Uh, frankly, I think they're both actually really good coaches and really good recruiters. Um, yeah. So I sort of like. That one looks like six of one half to the, to the other to me. I, I don't really, you know, know any differences there. Uh, or I, I don't really expect any, you know, real changes there other than the fact that Dem- Demetrius Martin took Christian Gonzalez with him, um, which, sorry about that. Uh, uh, but I think that's it. I think that's it for the coaching changes. Do I have all that right? Yes. I think Brett Maxey got a title bump, but I don't think it means anything. He's the safeties coach, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think now he's like assistant passing in court, something. I don't know. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, yes, that is the changes on the defensive side of the ball. Um, so uh, I was reviewing the last two podcasts that we recorded, both the the summer preview one and the in-season one. And it was funny because when Chris Wilson got this job last year, one of the things that I noted was that throughout his history, when he was at like Mississippi state, you know, he was always, which is a long time uh, as a, as, as a defensive line coach in a few years as a, as a DC, it was always a four, three. Yep. And when they played the spring game in 2021, they were trying out a four, three. Yep. And I, and like much of our uh, interview in the summer of 2021 was like, Jack, I think this is going to be disaster because they don't have an offensive <laughs> lineman for a four down front. And you're like, well, I don't know. You know, they're probably just going to do it anyway. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, come the season, it was like, ha ha fooled you. We're actually going to do the three down front that you, we were expecting all along or mm-hmm. that we've been done in the past. And I was like, this makes Chris Wilson the greatest defensive coordinator in the PAC 12 because he looked at his uh, <laughs> personnel group and was like, we can't support this change. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We should do the, you know, the, the other thing. Uh, it was like no other <laughs> coordinator in the PAC 12 would ever think to do that. But anyway. <laughs> uh, so then, 
but now I have another question for you where I feel like he's going to Lucy in the football me again, but I'm going to ask it anyway, which is I'm sitting here watching the spring game. And what do I see? I do. I see a three down front. No. no. Do I see a four down front mm, sort of, but no, uh, what I'm seeing is an even surface with two defensive tackles and two guys who I believe are outside linebackers. Um, except one of them is uh, called a defensive end, but playing with his fist up like an outside linebacker. And one of them is called an outside linebacker, but playing with his fist down. Uh, I think that he's gone to, it looked like in the spring game, he would gone to a four, two, five, or maybe a two, four, yep. five, depending on how you classify those guys, but that he wants to go to the even surface. Um, yeah. Uh, but you know, unlike, uh, like a, like a Michigan state, you know, kind of four, three that it's going to be, you know, four, two, five, where it's two big dudes in the middle, two edge rushers, uh, who are lighter guys, two inside linebackers, and then playing a nickel all the time. Um, which would be not only different from what he did last year, it would be different from what he did for his entire career up until this point which is yep. such a big difference that I feel like he's going to switch a roomie again. <laughs> We're just going to see the same <laughs> three down front in the fall, uh, but maybe not. I don't know. What do you think? I think he does want to go even front for sure. Um, so I, I think if we look at this roster, um, I think this roster supports it, which is why I think it's a strong yeah. possibility, but like, I don't know, like, has he said anything in interviews or, um, other, I mean, so, like, in, before 2021, he was talking about, yeah, in interviews, how he wanted to do a four-man four, four man front. He likes the uh, versatility. You know, he, he talked it up then and then, you know, faced reality at some point. So, um, reality is a bit different now, but he is saying a lot of the same things. Um, and like you said, it's just been his whole career is, is um, a 4-3, four, four, four-man front. Um, especially now that he's coaching outside linebackers or whatever you want to call that you know, edge rusher thing, which is what he did when he was at the Eagles when they won the Super Bowl. Um, he, he was coaching that Brandon Graham position, you know, whatever you want to call that. He, he wasn't necessarily coaching like the Fletcher, Fletcher Cox inside um, guys. So, you know, it's – I think you're going to see a lot of OLB, defensive end, hybrid, whatever you want to call it, like that thing, um, up, down, you know, uh, hand up, hand down, whatever. Um, and I think a lot of what they're trying to scheme for is the loss of uh, a lot of inside linebacker experience and talent. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing about the defense before we get to the, you know, the individual units like the it appears to me and, and tell me if you think I've got this wrong, but it appears to me that they are losing their best player from each unit right like they're mm -hmm. losing mustafa johnson off the defensive line they're losing carson wells the outside linebacker they're losing nate landman the inside linebacker uh they're losing uh mark perry the safety uh and they're losing christian gonzalez or maybe you think it's mickey blackman but it doesn't matter because they're losing both of them in, at cornerback um yep. and it's sort of like it's difficult for me to imagine a defense not taking a step back if they lose their best player at every single position on the other hand, it's kind of like they only lose the one guy at a lot of those positions. Um, and, and like they're actually returning a lot of experience. And I kind of think if they do this like two, four, five, that I think that the the spring game was showing me, I actually think it's a pretty decent match for the talent. And it may be that Chris Wilson is actually a defensive genius. And it's just difficult to tell because he plays for a low talent or coaches for a low talent team. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know. Just overall, what do you do? You, 
do you think there's a possibility the defense like holds up its end of the deal next year? I am much more confident in the defense than the offense for sure. Um, I mean, so, and it's not saying much, Jack. I know, I know. Um, but small victories, small victories. Um, yeah, I, I think the defensive line as a unit is probably the best unit on the team still. Mm-hmm. Um, no Mustafa Johnson, but Jalen Sami is back again. Terrence Lang is back for his sixth year. Justin Jackson has grown into it a little bit. Janaz Jordan should be pretty good. Nose tackle depth. I really like Naeem Rodman, um, who's who's hung around as well. Some of the younger talent coming in, I I, I like. Um, I, I still like Ryan Williams a little bit as a under uh, a low heralded guy. Um, and then Chance Main of Last Chance U fame comes in from uh in the University of Incarnate Word, and mm. it should be a pretty good um outside run defender. Um, I, you know I like that front like that. I like those guys a lot, actually. Um, losing Nate Lambman is terrible. That is irreplaceable. Losing Christian Gonzalez is terrible and irreplaceable. Um, Carson Wells is is along those same lines, but I think a little less so um, by committee. I don't know. I, I'm pretty surprisingly okay where a lot of this could land, I guess. Um, I, I, I think there's options, especially with – I think they did a better job – trying to find immediate filler on the defensive side of things in this last class. I think, I think there's some good pieces there. Yeah. It, it feels weird to say about, you know, a team that shuffled its coaches uh, lost, you know, went four and eight last year, lost uh, its best player from every single unit. Um, and I'm still like, yeah, I think the defense will be okay. Yeah. Uh, you know, it feels weird to say that given the inputs, but like we're going to run down these units. Well, let's start with the defensive line since you, uh, you named the five r- returners uh, who yeah. I, I like all those guys too. In fact, I've liked them for years. Uh, you know, it's a pretty experienced defensive line. Um, uh, 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 and we got to see four out of those five guys in the spring game who, you know, they all looked, you know, nominal, um, Terrence Lang, I think was held out, but I, I've got no concerns about Terrence Lang. I think he's one of the best defensive linemen in fact, well, yeah. to be honest, there's, uh, four other guys, um, on scholarship who I am, I guess I'll put it this way. I have chance main, even though on the official roster, he's classified as a defensive end. He's literally the only guy on the roster who's classified as a defensive right. end. <laughs> I am just mentally i am i'm just decided to call the entire olb slash de category the edge rushers and i'm going to deal with them separately and i'm going to put him in that category so i'm holding him out um so the the i guess i'll put it this way between those five guys those five returners that we've already mentioned who are all definitely defensive linemen they're those those guys ain't ain't edge rushers um three or excuse me four other uh returners um who are young ish guys like three of them are 2021s and those are uh tyus martin uh alan baugh jeremiah doss ryan williams um all all those are, are big guys too you know, I think that's, you know, that's definite depth. There's also like three other walk-ons uh, on the team. Um, and then there's a, a freshman, Aaron Austin, who wasn't available for the spring game. I haven't been able to like look at him yet. I'm not sure whether he's a defensive Very back or not. Developmental. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. I think that, you know, between, you know, those five experienced returners, the four, you know, inexperienced scholarship guys, the three walk-ons that like, 
if they wanted to do a three down front like they have for years and years and years that they definitely have the depth and the 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 body sizes in order to do that i think if they wanted to do a two down front uh, like they were doing in the spring game um they absolutely have enough depth to do that in fact they, they might even have like too many guys but they could definitely um have an excellent you know rotation i wouldn't have any concerns at all right. um about that um, I still wouldn't love it if they went to a real four down front and tried to turn like some of these guys into edge rushers and told the entire OLB group to sit down, like, I, which is why I don't think it's going to happen. Right. Um, assuming that Chris Wilson is rational. And I just went through a long, on a long rant about like, he seemed like he was making rational decisions last year. So <laughs> I, I, I think you're probably right that they want that he eventually wants to he, that he wants to play an even service and would eventually like to be able to play a real four down front. I just don't think it's going to happen this year. I think it's going to be a two four. I think it's going to be, you know, taking advantage of these guys, you know, in the middle. I think he wants to have a nickel on the field because of the because I think he wants I, I think the back end of the defense needs more help than the front end. I guess I put it that way. Yeah. Um, and, and so we're going to see just two of the guys in the category that we have just finished talking about who are probably going to be some rotation of Sammy Rodman, Lang, Jordan and Jackson. Yeah. And, and that that's that. Uh, what do you think about that take? Uh, I think you're right. I think the I think the max you'll see is three of those five guys on the field yeah. at any one time. Um, so, I, yeah. And I think Sammy is just a classic anchor in the middle. Yeah, um, but I but I think Rodman, Jackson, Jordan, and Lang can all kind of play inside out as needed. Um, Lang probably being iffy for the middle, but I don't know. Rodman and Jordan are both pretty big. And yeah, they're they're were, both over three thirty or yeah. about three thirty. Like if they wanted to do a three down front, you've got two tackle or nose tackles in Sammy and Jordan, and then you could have you know a couple of four eyes in you know in, in Rodman and Lang, and yeah. you know Jackson as a backup and, and some of these other guys too. Uh, I mean, hell, if you needed a third nose tackle, you know the freshman uh, Martin is at three forty. You yeah. know, like they they have the size to do a three down front. It's just it seems like from what we've seen so far that that Wilson wants to, to present an even surface. Um, and so he's sort of got like an embarrassment of riches uh, for defensive tackles uh, in that sense. Um, but whether he wants to do two or three, I think he definitely has the bodies uh, to do it. So, yep. So then the guys who, again, I am classifying as edge rushers, even though they are disparately called outside linebackers or defensive ends on the official roster, losing Carson Wells. Mm hmm. I was actually a little surprised that, that guy didn't get taken by the NFL. Uh, I believe he ended up at the Bengals. Oh, did he? Yes. He he was following up somebody who was like in the 2021 draft, got drafted pretty high, right? Oh, Davion Taylor. Is, is, that, is that who we're talking about? Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I guess they kind of do play the same position. I think if Davion Taylor is like a buff or like a star player. Hmm. Um, but yes, yes. Davion Taylor was like outside linebacker ish. Yep. Yeah. So it, it was a little surprising because Davion Taylor, um, in the 2021 draft was a bit of a surprise pick in the NFL. And so I was thinking, well, Carson Wells might be a bit of a surprise pick too. And then, you know, I, you know, undrafted free agent with the Bengals. Um, yeah. I guess it's better than nothing. Uh, but anyway, that he appears to be the only departures from this category. They are bringing back Guy Thomas and Devin Grant, um, who you know, played a lot last year. Uh, yep. uh, Joshka Gustav, Jamar Montgomery, um, Alvin Williams. Like, there's a bunch of experience in this group. Zion Maglay. Yep. Um, they also, as you mentioned, brought in Chance Main, um, the 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 JUCO guy, um, and a couple of true freshmen who are on campus for the spring. I doubt we'll see them. Uh, uh, Bowser and Ludwig. Um, 
I think that's plenty of depth, you know, and, and plenty of experience, given that the Juco is, is a very experienced player, right. just not at the power five level. Um, you know, I, I, this group, you know, Carson Wells had, you know, 14 tackles for loss and six sacks last year. That's, you know, more than everybody else combined um, yep. by a long stretch. I don't know that this is going to be a great um, pass rush, but I think, again, I'm still trying to like prognosticate what Chris Wilson's defensive scheme is going to be. I think he's going to look at this group and say, I've got a bunch of experienced bodies who I can get to be the edge rusher. Um, they all have the appropriate body type for it. Like they're all about 6'3", 240, which is yep. almost exactly what you want for that position. And yeah, they haven't produced any stats and yeah, they're all low three stars, but like whatever, I've got the bodies that I want. So that's what we're going to do. That's my like interpretation of events. What do you think? I think they're absolutely going to try to replace Wells by committee. There was no other option. Um, and I actually kind of like the committee. So I, I really like what Devin Grant did at the end of last year as a true freshman. Um, and I like what Gustav did. Similarly, I believe he was a redshirt freshman last year. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think both of those coming back a little bit older and wiser should help. Um, I, I think Guy Thomas will also probably play on the edge a little bit um, coming back. And he is... Uh, like one of those first guys off the bus type, just super ripped, super athletic, um, just got hurt last year. Oh. Um, and I, I actually, I, Jamar Montgomery has just like hung around and hung around. And I've always slated him as like, he's going to be a spring casualty, but he always like plays. And he doesn't, he plays pretty okay. Like he's always, I don't know. He's never the reason to play breaks. He's, I think he's fine um, and, and provides pretty good depth. Um, but this spring they've really talked up Alvin, Alvin Williams, um, who didn't play, I don't. I believe he's a yeah. He's a sophomore. He didn't play too much last year, but they really like Alvin Williams. I, I um, saw him in the spring game. Yeah, I, I, yeah. They they like him a lot, and I think he's going to play quite a bit out there. I think he's probably one of the more natural, pure pass rushers as well. So um, I don't know. I like the group. I don't think you're going to see a lot of production, but um, they all are pretty young, but they still have some experience, and and they played fine. Um, I same thing. Combine that with the defensive line, that's not going to be your issue on defense. So, but uh, uh, regardless of, of how they will actually perform, uh, the, there's the the experience and capability and bodies here to 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 form like a two four five type of defense where these guys are the edge rushers on yeah. both sides and there's enough dudes where you know there's easily a four man rotation at two spots yes. um, in that defensive structure. So yeah, okay, all right. I'm I'm we're we're gathering more evidence that this is going to actually be the defense uh, <laughs> that he's going to implement in the fall is going to be the same one that he did in the spring, which is we unlike what he did last year, but whatever. Uh, <laughs> All right, inside linebackers. Um, losing the the great one, Nate Landman. Oh, uh, so sad. Um, also losing the Notre Dame transfer, Jack Lamb. To retirement. Um, yeah. Uh, also losing Jonathan Van Deest. Um, I think he just straight up ran out of eligibility. Yes, he graduated. And uh, transfer out of a, a freshman um, who didn't play. It's just unusual. It was a freshman, Zephaniah Maya. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just like you were there for one year and transferred yeah, out. Okay. Just a fit thing. Yeah, I guess bringing back the, they were basically playing a uh, let's call it a three plus two rotation at um, at inside linebacker, even though they really were only playing two inside linebackers most of the time, um, which was Landman, Quinn Perry and Robert Barnes were the primary three guys. Um, and then we also saw 
uh, Marvin Ham and Jonathan Van Dees, or excuse me, Jack Lamb, um, and then a little bit of Mr. Williams and Jonathan Van Dees. So it's really like three plus two plus two. And they lose one of the guys from the three, Nate Lamb, and one of the guys from the second two, Jack Lamb, and one of the guys from the third two, Jonathan Van Dees. But they bring back Perry and Barnes, you know, from the, the top three, Ham from the second three, second two, and Mr. Williams from the third two. So that's actually quite a bit of returning experience. I'll stop there. Do I have all that right? Yes, yes. There's there's a lot of bodies, yes, returning, and there's also a few coming in. So well, there's there's four bodies returning. It's just that they're very experienced bodies, and so like yes. even though we started out talking about like boy, they're losing their best guy from every unit, including Nate Landman, who's you know like everybody loves him and with good reason. All it's sort of like they're they're still returning more. You know, they're returning more experience than they're losing. Um, and then on top of that. They got, you know, maybe the most interesting of the transfers in um, the you know, West Virginia's leading tackle yeah. with 110 tackles last year, which is a lot. Uh, Josh Chandler Cermetto. Yep. Um, uh, I I, I got to figure that it just becomes the same sort of like three man rotation again, where it's, you know, Chandler Cermetto, uh, Perry and Barnes, right? Yes, with the potential wild card of uh, Mr. Williams. Hmm. The least well. experienced guy you think is going to jump up? They, I, I, I also very much enjoy Mr. Williams. I know they like his size as well. Um, and uh, Marvin Ham has has been around, and it's it's. I think he might jump in there too. But um, Mr. Williams played a lot in the first scrimmage. Um, and I, his he has a very strange body type of like six foot two fifty. Um, but can still run so. Um, I don't know. I, I think they. I think he's the wild card. But wild cards are wild for a reason. So mm. I would also agree that you're going to see a lot of Josh Chandler Sumetta, no matter what. Um, and you're probably you're going to see a lot of Quinn Perry still as well. Um, and then um, you're also going to see Robert Barnes flit around somewhere in the second level of the defense. Well, it's interesting that you use that verb because, like that. I mean, I. I think you're right that there is an open that, okay, it's going to be a two inside linebacker structure. They're bringing back Perry and Barnes. We're done, right? No, I don't think we're done because I sort of had problems with both Perry and Barnes. Perry looks like real big and kind of slow. Um, yes. And Barnes looks a little undersized, like, and he flits about, as you say. Uh, and, and, you know, but I'd see that guy get run over. That guy was like a mid four star from, uh, from Oklahoma. Yeah. And, you know, and then we came in and I saw him, I was just like, oh, this is why this guy transferred out. Like he couldn't, you know, even though he's a grad student, he couldn't put on any weight. Like I, yeah. I think he's still like 225 or so. Um and so it's sort of like, I think there's definitely some opportunity for the West Virginia transfer to come in. And I think there's, you know, I think you're right. I think there's probably an opportunity for, um, for Ham and Williams who have a little more traditional, you know, body types for an inside linebacker role to take, you know, Barnes and or Perry's job away from them. Yeah. Um, so I actually think this will be really, um, because uh, the Chandler Smetto was not on campus, I believe, no. um, for spring ball. Very late edition. I, I, I think it's, uh, yeah, I think this is actually going to be a real interesting battle to watch in fall camp. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised if this like totally gets upended that like, even though they returned two guys who were like two quasi starters last year in Perry and Barnes, yeah. if, if the starting, you know, lineup uh, for their first game against uh, whatever, whoever their opener is. TCU. Oh, nice. I wouldn't be surprised at all if it was Chandler Semedo and like Williams or Ham. Um, and just this gets like totally upended in fall camp. Do you think I'm off base? No, I agree with you. Um, I, I totally think that um, 
I guess this is going to be a mean thing to say, but I think that Quinn Perry is the exact type of incumbent starter that you hope gets usurped by increasing talent. That um, is a uh, that is a mean thing to say, but a hundred percent accurate. Yeah, I, you know, I think he's you know he's a former rugby player converted to football player, and that's how he plays. Um, and you he's doing a great job filling the role as best he can. Um, but you hope that you can recruit over him, and the hope is that they did. So, um. Yeah, I think and, and Barnes is similar. You know, he was a safety at Oklahoma. I think he started there as a freshman or sophomore, and then just couldn't he couldn't bulk up enough as they got faster to move to linebacker. So he's mm-hmm. in that weird mixed spot. So I, I think he's going to continue to stay in that weird mixed spot. Um, yeah, and uh, the they, problem is his body type just doesn't fit in this defensive structure. Um, yeah, it, it's sort of unfortunate. Um, like I, he's clearly very, very quick. Um, I, I wouldn't actually, you know, if this is unfortunately going to be his last year, if they saw this coming, they might've converted him to be like a nickel, you know, like a, or like a hard hitting star safety, something like yeah. that. Um, but I, I just think that it's probably too late in his career in order to, to make that kind of switch. It's sort of unfortunate, but yeah, I, I, yeah, I think we're both on the same page here. I, I see both Perry and Barnes as being vulnerable. And then just because we've, we've only talked about five guys, lest anybody think that this doesn't, this room doesn't have enough um, depth to it. It's got four more dudes coming in, right? Yep. Um, Caden Robertson is a, a Juco who's coming in. Um, and Aubrey Smith is a freshman who's coming in, but both I love of these guys, Aubrey Smith too. Yeah. but that guy wasn't, um, around for spring ball though right no, no, no. And, and then owen curry and uh, isaac Rotado um uh came in as part of the uh you know the recent additions but um yeah and i think those guys are going to be depth guys so like there will assuming everybody makes it to campus for fall camp there'll be nine inside linebackers in a defense that i believe is really only going to want to play two inside linebackers because it looked to me this is the other sort of like structural question um it looked to me like they were pretty committed to playing a nickel on every snap in the spring game. Um, do, you, do you think that's going to be true going forward? And therefore they're only going to want to be playing two ILBs in any given snap. Yeah. I think a lot of what there's trying to seem around this year is the uh, massive hole in proven inside linebacker, like mm-hmm. quality that, that, that Nate Lambin is leaving. Um, so I, I don't think they're going to try to expand any inside linebacker roles or uh, quantities as best they can, um, while also trying to, to protect some of this young second. All right, let's talk about that secondary. Let's start let's start with the cornerbacks because the more depressing of the two news. Uh, losing oh, it's both, depressing. <laughs> losing uh, both of the starters, uh, Christian Gonzalez and Mekki Blackman. Um, uh, Gonzalez to Oregon, Mekki Blackman, I believe, to USC. And like those guys just really, in terms of like experience, just totally outclass all the guys um, uh, who are coming back. Uh, even though I think they had played in the past, there was like some injury problems in the cornerback unit. Like Nigel Bethel, I know you've been excited about for a while now. He's the, yeah. the guy who came in from Miami, but I think he's been hurt like pretty much his entire time. Yeah, he was hurt right? again last year. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that really stinks. Um, so it's like, you know, the uh, Gonzalez and Blackman combined for nearly 100 tackles. There's like 15 returning tackles um, in the cornerback room. 
I, I see I see four guys returning: Kalen Moore, Nigel Bethel, Nico Reed, and Jalen Stryker. Um, just not much experience at all last year for those guys. Um, I see four uh, incoming freshmen, two who were were on campus for spring ball: Jason Oliver and Joshua Wiggins. Wiggins is actually getting a lot of play in the spring game, um, and then two guys who will join in the fall: uh, Simeon Harris and Keyshawn Mills. Yep, I think that's the room. Those those eight dudes. Did I miss anybody for cornerback specifically? I don't think so. You mentioned Tyron Taylor correct uh i have him classified as a safety okay tyron taylor i think will play corner so oh really that would be the guy that he missed yep. that was interesting because i was seeing him play uh what i thought was the boundary safety position in the spring game but who knows there was a lot of guys out for the spring game but you think he's going to be a corner okay. uh he might i mean he's cross-trained so he might just be either or but i i know that he played corner some last year uh during the season when when Bodies got really dire. Um, yeah, so I, I think he's going to be in between those spots somewhere. Yeah, huh, that'll be interesting. Um, I guess we'll have to you know keep an eye out for that when you know because there are there's a bunch of good dudes who are going to be coming in for the fall who might shake this up you know quite a bit. Yeah, if you had if they had to play a game tomorrow, who do you think the starting uh, uh, cornerbacks would be? I think you're going to go with um, probably Nico Reed on one side for sure. I know they like Nico Reed. Uh, and one of Nigel Bethel or Kalen Moore. Uh, I mean, they're not going to be very experienced, but who is uh, in this room? But, you know, there's eight of them uh, in the room or nine if we're counting uh, Tyron Taylor. Um, it, you know, it's enough bodies. I actually, you know, this is it's going to be a double edged sword to say this, but I don't think an injury really, you know, to the starters, you know, really diminishes the capacity of this unit much. But that's because I, you know, I'm not really expecting a whole lot out of this unit. There's just not a whole lot of, you know, talent or experience here. Uh, do you think I'm off base? Um, it's an interesting question. So I guess, let me start with way out there. Like number one, I am personally, and this is probably a bigger indictment. We can talk about this once again, when we get to season prediction, I'm, very glad that Christian Gonzalez will have a better opportunity to show how ridiculously good he is because he is. Um, and I hope he gets drafted. I hope he gets drafted really high. So, and it's the same thing with Makai Blackman. I think they're both going into better positions. I think Makai Blackman was number one cornerback at USC. Um, and it, those are just better spots to get to get paid. Um, and they, they both uh, did a lot of great things for CU, and I hope they get paid um, more than they would have if they stayed. So, like overall, no. Uh, very good players leaving, and I'm very upset that they're leaving, but I'm also just like, yeah, good for you. Like, I will be rooting for you. Um, and I also know that off of that, uh, uh, Darrell specifically likes a lot of the freshman defensive backs that are, that that came around last year and played out of necessity. Um, so I know he loves Tyron Taylor. Um, I know that Nico Reed is, is one of the more polished freshmen, and I, I actually like him a lot too. And I know that Kalen Moore had a lot of athleticism. So. Um, it's pure potential, pretty much. Um, I think Nico Reed actually did okay last year, and I think he'll be okay again this year. But the rest of that is like, eh, I don't know. Um, but I'm leaning on more the side of, like, they will figure it out as opposed to, like, they are completely screwed. Um, it's, I, there have been – I should say this. In the last five years, I have been more upset about the state of defensive back rooms mm. um, in Colorado, which is a pretty low bar, but um, – Despite losing the the top tier talent, I like some of the depth that is stepping into the shoes more so than prior years. Uh, fair enough. I mean, they 
I guess I'll put it this way. Like it, this doesn't look like an embarrassing unit. Like it doesn't look like right. these guys are the wrong body types. It doesn't look like there's, Oh, there's not enough guys here. Um, you know, the guys who I was seeing in the spring game who were um, Moore and Reed and um, striker and Wiggins, you know, yeah. they, they looked like real cornerbacks. Um, right. Uh, you know, they didn't they didn't look like running backs who were forced to play cornerback, uh, you know, or something like that. Um, you know, I think you're I think you're probably right. Like, the, you know, this doesn't the, this looks like a, a unit that's got some potential. It's just like there's really no experience. And maybe the most promising of them, you know, uh, you know, Bethel and Reed just got, you know, very little play, yep. you know, last year. Um, uh, so you know and same with more like i just didn't seem that much i think those guys you know each played not, i think only like five games um yep and they were just behind you know two guys who just you know were getting virtually every snap in gonzalez and blackman so it's like yeah there may be a lot of potential but it's like potential is all it is right now you know <laughs> we're just gonna sort of wait how to see how that plays out all right let's talk about the safeties again losing uh one of the guys who i've uh, always really liked mark perry he's transferring out to tcu yep playing the books the uh also i mean losing a lot of guys here actually although not many of them uh besides perry were very productive losing curtis appleton and chris miller um and ray robertson uh losing Tristan oliver uh losing the four star from tcu who transferred in von gore who's like a yes he, he, that was a For weird about three weeks a tons of on gore yeah yes. i know it was, it was weird um <laughs> losing those six guys i think that's it right yes Okay. Um, bringing back six guys, um, all, although two of them, I think, are walk-ons. Uh, bring back Isaiah Lewis, who's the, you know, the other starter uh, yeah. at safety. I, you know, I think he's fine, although he was being held out of the spring game, so I didn't get eyes on him. <laughs> Bringing back uh, Trevor Woods, who looked like he was playing the nickelback um, in the spring game. Yes, that might have also been due to personnel uh issues so okay. i he, he he did both as a freshman last year i would i like him more in deep safety so i hope he stays okay. there but um yeah well that's the interesting because i was seeing uh anthony lyle uh number 41 the um the unrated uh, uh Walk on, yeah yeah from from eastern michigan yep um he was playing the you know the deep field safety uh in the spring game but you think that woods is gonna get that job i wish he did i guess he might not um and yeah I mean, and like I said, Tyron Taylor is somewhere in this mix. <laughs> so uh, that might be a Tyron Taylor thing. You, but, you think Tyron Taylor is really good or at least beloved by the staff. And so he's going to get a starting DB spot somewhere in the rotation. I, I like Tyron Taylor a lot too, especially as a freshman last year. I thought he was pretty polished um, and, he, and he has length for it as opposed to some of these other options. So um, yeah, I, I think Tyron Taylor will play a lot and that might be at safety just because there's path of least resistance there. A couple other returners, Torin Pittman, Anthony uh, Lyle, I already mentioned, Jordan Wilverton, who is a walk-on I wouldn't otherwise mention, except I think he got the only pick in the spring game. Uh, well, hold on. One other reason to mention him, part of the beautiful Colorado quarterback-to-safety pipeline. Another mm -hmm. quarterback that converted <laughs> to safety, a la nice. Sam Neuer. Uh, and Oki Salvea. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Oh, uh, man. So that's one of the th the the I guess four uh, new additions. The other uh, three being uh, Dylan Dixon and Xavier Smith, who were freshmen, but I don't think we're on campus for spring. And then there's an unrooted uh, JUCO Jeremy Mack as well. I think that's all the additions. Yes, um, and somewhere along the lines, I, I say that a lot because I just don't know where they're going to end up. I believe I don't know if you mentioned Xavier Smith, um, but I did. Know, yeah, 
Yeah, okay. Never mind. Sorry. Yeah, he's one of the freshmen. I don't think he was on campus for spring, though. No, he was not. But okay. Yeah. But that's uh, uh, 10 if we're counting Taylor, nine if we're moving him over to cornerback. That's a lot of bodies in the room. Um, although like half of them weren't on campus for, for spring ball, whatever right. they're, they'll, they'll be depth, you know, it, it, you know, between Lewis who almost certainly has a job locked down Taylor, who you believe has a job locked down woods is fairly experienced. Uh, um, Lyle was playing in the spring game. Uh, you know, it, it looks like they've got enough bodies here. It looks like there's a decent amount of experience. Um, I, think the safeties will be fine despite losing you know mark perry uh what do you think i personally think that my my most exciting player maybe on the whole team is trevor woods i love trevor woods as a player um yeah. so i hope he plays a lot and i think he will play a lot so uh, the fact that he's a part of this group makes me like this group a lot um i don't know i think he's gonna be one of those dudes that, that plays four years starts four years um assuming no nil bags i guess come from these these pesky rich pack 12 schools um well no i mean i dig it like you know <laughs> develop good players and then they you know make it to the bigs <laughs> hey like i said if christian gonzalez gets a better draft fit because of this i'm totally happy but um <laughs> yeah we've we've been developing coaches and then they go up to the big league is that what oregon does I, i've been told <laughs> that oregon steals joe salve as much as possible from washington state he's not developed fully yet <laughs> oh, okay okay interesting <laughs> Um, yeah, well, you know, anyways, yeah, I, I, I love Trevor Woods and I, I think he's going to play a lot as part of this group. Um, and I like Tyron, Tyron Taylor, wherever he fits in. And Isaiah Lewis is another one of those guys where it's like, I expected him to be recruited over years ago. Um, and he just like came on out of nowhere in the COVID season to be a pretty good player. Um, well, think, and he's been around forever. Like almost everybody that we've been talking about, yeah. you know, except for, except for Lyle, the EMU transfer, you know, all of them are kids. They're like 2021 yeah. kids, you know, but he's a senior. He came in the 2017 class and you're, you're, you're right. He's like, they haven't, they just haven't been able to get rid of him. You know? Yeah. Like, he was a gray shirt under Mike McIntyre. He's been around wow. a long Ooh. time. Yeah. Um, so um, yeah, I, I, keep forgetting that that was like six years ago now my, my guitar is here yeah, but crazy. um yeah so I, I i like the group ish but it's just it's a little more i think proven than the cornerbacks but it's still like i don't know it, it's uh more shaky than i'd like well i mean trevor trevor woods alone has more tackles than all the returning cornerbacks right. like <laughs> and trevor woods wasn't a starter <laughs> no he was not but he did get a block punt touchdown against uh arizona i believe so there you go and uh we're hoping for more thrilling plays like that in the 2022 wow. season coming up here what a segue what can I say? It's been brewing for a while. <laughs> um, so we're starting off against, uh, I mean, hey, there you go, against TCU. Right away, yep. you're going to get a little rematch there. But then um, Air at Air Force yep. and then at Minnesota. So immediately, hopefully Mike Sanford will be able to hand over some of the blueprints that will unlock yeah. it. I don't know. I assume you hired him to win that game. So you better the win that The revenge game. Yeah. Somehow I believe Mo Ibrahim is back again. I don't understand how many years mm. of eligibility that guy has, but <laughs> and then uh so you miss out in, in Pac twelve play, you miss out I on I do believe Stanford, 
and Washington State, not going to have to play them, even though I, those are I don't know if it's a have to. probably would uh, rather. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The second I said that, I was like, mm, no, I'd probably want them on my schedule because instead uh, we got everybody else, including home games at Arizona, not a good place to play, even when it's a bad Arizona, uh, at Oregon State. And then we have at USC, at Washington, and of course, uh, you got Utah at the end of the season. But yeah, every other Pac-12 team outside of Stanford and Wazoo. How do you think the Colorado Buffs will finish this season? All right, yeah, I've I've been teeing this up for a while, um, and maybe you've noticed this before. Uh, I think this will not be a good season. <laughs> I'll just say that pretty straight. I think. Um, you know, I would bet that CU could out talent maybe two of these teams, and that is including an Air Force, which is replacing some some senior talent as they always do. Uh, and the other team would be Arizona State, which appears to be an unmitigated disaster heading towards an unmitigated dumpster fire. So, um, I think those are the two that you can look at and say, you know what, CU has enough talent to uh, just straight up guys against guys beat these uh, beat these teams. When you are playing from a deficit from the other 10, that makes it, I think, pretty hard to have any sort of positive prognostication um, for this season. This is a very bad year to have a very fun non-conference. Um, so TCU at home, great, te- great, great team, great game. Not a good year to have a the Power 5 <laughs> team visit Boulder, especially because after that you go on the road to a pesky Air Force team down in the Springs. And then you also go on the road to a Minnesota team that is. Um, yeah, I know who who wrote this non-con schedule. This is like brutal. There's no. It's super fun for me to be like, oh, I like all of these teams. I think it's gonna be fun, except for the fact that CU is not good enough to play all these yeah. teams. I mean, there's there's no FCS uh, opponent. There's two Power Five opponents and like a an always difficult G five opponent in their stadium like oh boy just you wait till you see some of these future schedules man uh yeah so, <laughs> so next year is at tcu nebraska visits visits boulder again and csu visits boulder again mm. after that of course the one fcs team you want north dakota state of oh, course. No. oh boy Visiting we got boulder at nebraska at csu brutal again and then you got georgia tech visiting you got houston on the road you got wyoming wyoming visiting like it does not get that much easier somehow we had a florida home and home somewhere in the 2020s (laughs) um it's like it's you know we are scheduling for a team that we are not right now um so anyways back to 2022 that non-conference could easily be 0-3 to start tough and then you got ucla who can still out talent cu but that's probably a 50 50 um, if I'm being generous, I'll give that a W. At Arizona, which, as you mentioned, had a massive glow up over the offseason, um, went from zero to hero under Jed Fish, who somehow is convincing players to play for that school. Um, and then and versus- playing at Arizona early in the season when it's going to be hot. Yes, like- very hot. Um, that's going to be a night game for sure. Um, and then against Cal after a bye, who apparently just has CU's number. Um, I think Chase Garbers is back again. I don't know. <laughs> um if so that is the boogeyman not not so but yeah. okay well regardless um it i'm not expecting that to be a win yeah i think i think cal at home is the closest thing that colorado has to a win well hold on and let me sidetrack here you guys have more of an inside scoop did he just have the greatest finesse of all time going from hot seat to like extension we need to keep him here who wilcox after, yeah wilcox no they have no money 
Like not like they literally yeah. poured all of their money into a hole in the ground because their uh, stadium is right. literally built on a fault line and they had to spend like hundreds of millions of dollars to repair it um, and, and make it, you know, earthquake proof. Otherwise, they were, it was going to be a disaster movie. Like literally you could film a disaster movie. Like, you know, in Dark Knight Returns, when the earthquake happens yes. in the football state, like that would happen. Could have had that. And, could have had you know, it. that was the Justin Wilcox buyout money. That Don't they have went into a hole in the ground. showing the fault line is like a cool thing on the field? I'm I do. Happy. I mean, I do think it's really cool. Uh, yeah. It's just like that you know that school doesn't have enough like football interest to to pay for both a coach and a stadium repair so yeah <laughs> i just feel like out of nowhere everyone's like and wilcox is a front runner for the oregon job and i'm like this age is doing great that, work, it was man. real i don't re- i <laughs> was I, it really was it actually I don't real? Think it was the real. interview was certainly real and then the report was that he turned down the job i bet those things were real and then it also is not something that it didn't actually turn out, out they, that were, way. they offered him the job I, that is what I, a credited my belief I, I have no evidence for this it's just it's the theory that fits it best Hold is on. that they they it, gave him a low ball offer they were like we'll let you coach for um for fifty dollars is your accredited uh, reporter John Canzano? Is that yeah. okay? Well, okay. hold on. <laughs> now hold on. If you're taking anything that John Canzano says, yeah, hold on like, now. Okay, yeah. I'm well, just... anyways, um, yeah, good for him. He he got the bag for sure, and he's he, yeah. like it or not, he will be there for a while because I don't know if mm-hmm. any other program is going to be jumping on those results. Um, yeah, unless the coaching circles know how terrible it would be to coach for California right now. So maybe maybe mm-hmm. that's the case, but um. I, if you're counting that as a, as a win, I'll take whatever you're giving me. So um, I'll, I'll count that as a dub. Um, so tentatively, I'm sitting three and three right now, or three and yeah, three and three um, at Oregon State. No, 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 no. That is not. That is not going to be a win. Yeah, they were, they last were year. undefeated at home last year. Yeah, and Jonathan Smith's still building something. I think that's really cool. Um, and uh, I, I don't know. I, I like what they're doing. Um, so. I'm going to say it's a L versus Arizona State. I'm counting that as a W. I am – boy, if there has ever been a tailor-made situation for players to quit on the coach, is that not Arizona State this year? I mean, <laughs> come on. Like, that is a terrible situation. They've lost, what, 20 start, Like, something stupid amount of starters? Not a lot of talent left, I think, at least. Maybe maybe you're – your silence is disagreement, they're, but they're, um, they're about midway through the conference in terms of talent. Like they, they definitely took a step back in terms of talent, but like the thing that was crazy about them was that, you know, all the cheating that they're alleged to have done to get a bunch of, like it never paid off. Like they never actually really right. got any talent. So like, even though you're right, you know, a bunch of dudes left, like it didn't actually really affect their average, like almost at all. <laughs> really? That, that surprises yeah. me. Okay. Yeah, they, I mean, they never they they were basically they were um, seventh in the conference last year in talent, okay. and they're seventh in twenty twenty two. Like it just didn't like that to me is an indictment of the conference as a whole. Yeah. That was talent. Uh, well, yes, that's also very true. Because uh, I didn't they lose? I mean, they lost the crazy giant receiver they had, Johnny Wilson, yeah. right? They lost yeah. Bunkley Shelton. They didn't they lose the starting running back? It, they lost. You Daniel. know, I just wrote, I just wrote an article about this. You could read it, Jack. Like <laughs> details. Oh, plugs time. I think yep. we just walked into like, plugs time. Uh, uh, you can find that article. Uh, addicted to quack. It's to still quack. on the front page. Um, uh, yeah, no, they lost a ton. You know, you're totally right. Um, it's just that, like, you know, I, I still think they're going to have a halfway decent. You know what? 
I think this is, you know, between Colorado and Arizona State, I think those are two wins for Colorado. So I'm going to agree with you and not push back. Um, it's just that, like, because, you know, and their starters' losses are crazy. It's just that they still have, like, a baseline level of talent that's higher than Colorado's. And so I sure. think that the – because Colorado's is, like, 11th in Bad. the conference. Oh, yeah. And, like, um, the, that, like – if Colorado gets that win, it's going to be because ASU has completely quit on Herm Edwards. It's a shell of itself. And or Herm Edwards is gone at that point is another yeah. option too. Yeah, yeah, right. Like, you know, Washington and USC were both extremely talented teams by Pac-12 standards, and they went 4-8 and eight last year because they had fired coaches. Like, yeah. Though they lost to Montana before they fired the coach. <laughs> good point. Always valid to bring that up, regardless of the circumstance. It could be in the middle of yeah. a bris. Like, Look, yeah, he's very that. academic prowess, dude. It's not just about what's yeah. on the field. He's, mm-hmm. he's full of academic prowess. Um, very true. Yeah, so I, I, I'm going to count that as a W. I don't know. I am just very down in Arizona State this year. Um, Oregon at home, that is a – just ship that L right now. Um, at USC – Similar thing that I they are terrifying to me um, more than usual, and you know, zero and fifteen is is pretty terrifying. So, I mean, if you couldn't beat Clay Helton, mm. we there was options and plenty of options, and yeah, I, I think that's going to stick around for a while. Um, at Washington, I also think that is unfortunately an L this year. Oh no I, way! They haven't lost to Washington since twenty eighteen. Like, I know, I know, but I, I mean. Sacrilege. I love Kalen DeBoer. I think that was a really good hire. So um, I am going to root for them. And then uh, against Utah at home, nope. <laughs> Utah is probably as consistent as they come in the conference right now. Um, I don't know. I think you're looking at probably a 3 9 season. It might be a 2 10 season. It might be a 1 11 season. I don't, there's not a lot of things I can say. That is a surefire win on the, on the, the yeah, schedule I- right now. I mean, like, even if I took, like, an optimistic view of Colorado, it's like the schedule is so brutal. Like, Yeah, I I love seeing Power 5 teams come to Boulder, and I like that I can drive to Air Force for a game, but uh, that's not good for this roster. I, I mean, it's it's a really tough non-conference without an FCS win. The two teams that they missed from the South was, you know, 3-9 and nine Stanford and Wazoo, which is literally the only team in the Pac-12 that is less talented than Colorado. Yep. Like... Um, it doesn't line up, you know, for the, well, the one thing that I think is going for them is that they have winnable games at home. I think that, you know, Cal and yes. Arizona state are winnable games and they get both of those at home. Um, and you know, maybe UCLA, I guess if Chip Kelly said maybe implodes, I don't know. I'm not yeah. Sure. I don't know. That's a good question. I haven't gotten to UCLA yet. I, I, I have. I I'm sort of high on them, but I haven't really broken down their roster yet because they literally haven't posted their roster. UCLA is such <laughs> drag asses. They do not post their official roster until months after spring. And so like, I still can't really evaluate them. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, I guess it's a possibility. It is a home game. Uh, yeah. And this is, I guess, going to dovetail into an overall uh, issue about where the program is. Um I don't think it's in a really good. I don't think it's. I, you know what? I'll just. I think it's in a bad place. I think you. What you did this offseason is take the, the top shelf of talent, the entire top shelf of talent, and they either graduated or transferred to elsewhere, um, yeah. which is not good. And especially when you can't replace them, as you mentioned, with similar or like talent. Um, CU was in the top three in Power Five teams with transfer out. I think they had twenty four departing transfers. Um, which isn't good. It's, it's also hard to replace. Um, so 
you're dealing with a lot of coaching staff turnover, a lot of roster turnover. You're dealing with an uninspiring head coach in general anyways, and Carl Durrell, um, a really tough schedule um, in this new era of college football. Um, CU is not well positioned with not a lot of high-profile, large donors. Um, it is an interesting situation to be in. Um, I, I personally would say that the best option this year is uh, if they do – do unquestionably bad on the field, so they can move on into someone who. Uh, uh, you've taken the accelerationist stance. Yeah, I, I, you know, I that that I think that is probably a way to go. I, I do not. I, I think Carl Durrell is a really nice guy, and I think that uh, similar to what he did at UCLA, he will provide decent results with a decent roster provided to him. He does not have a decent roster provided to him. Um, and actually, somehow he's recruiting pretty well for 2023, which is interesting. And that might be something if they string some wins, to, wins together. But um, I don't know. In, in this next year specifically, I the places I don't like the most on the coaching staff are head coach and offensive coordinator. Um, thankfully, those two don't matter, right? Like Those two don't matter for coaches. Um so it's it's unfortunate that those are the two places I feel like are shakiest, um, and also the two places I think Carl Durrell had obviously the most input, given that he is one of them. So I don't know. I think it's a really it's a it's a season that sets up to be a full reboot, depending on how it goes. Um, yeah, you're losing. You've lost a lot of players that were like the next level stars of Colorado. Nate Lamon gone, Jared Broussard gone, Brendan Rice gone, Christian Gonzalez gone. Carson Wells gone. A um, lot of lot of talent right there that just left, um, and you did not replace them in kind. So I like some of the depth that's coming up, and I think that there are some opportunities to win some games. But I I would not say that there's any surefire win on the schedule right now, um, and that could snowball into something that leads to a lot of changes for Colorado. Well, I'm just so glad that we've got top-level talent, Jack Barsh, coming to the Quack 12 podcast. All about, once again, because over the years you've popped in over, and, and we love it so much, Jack. Thanks for coming over here. You've done things such as Duck D&D with us even. That's right. Years ago. Uh, <laughs> some crazy stuff like that. And uh, I just want to plug again your wonderful site, The Ralphie Report. That's you right. You should know how to spell Ralphie, Pac-12 fans, but R-A-L-P-H-I-E Report. You can find them at The Ralphie Report on Twitter. Uh, you can also find our man Jack Barsh here at Jack Barsh on Twitter, B-A-R-S-C-H. Mm-hmm. And uh, Hithliday, thanks so much for your uh, all your knowledge here. Uh, of course, you can find Hithliday over at the website Addicted to Quack, SB Nation's Addicted to Quack. And you can find him at Addicted to Quack, or you can find him at Hithliday, the number one, H-Y-T-H-L-O-D-A-Y, the number one. And then obviously, you're listening to the Quack 12 podcast, so you can find us at the quack 12 podcast hit today and any final thoughts on colorado as we head out here oh it's just i i agree with the accelerationist stance like i don't think carl Durrell's you know a great answer for it and it's just so it's so weird how 2020 affected things because it's like probably due to some weird covid related circumstances he wound up looking like probably a lot better coach than he was and like 
you know, I, I, I agree with you. I, 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 I don't have a lot of uh, optimism for Colorado this season. And I think you're probably right. It's sort of like, you know, forcing them out the door, you know, would not be the worst thing in the world. Um, you know, the real problem was that when MSU came knocking for, for Mel Tucker, they blinked, you know, and, and, uh, and it's like, well, who are they going to get to replace Carl Durrell? Like, you know, that that's sort of the scary thing is, as a Colorado fan is like, OK, you know, it, you'd be sort of like the, the dog who catches the car. Like, uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> what would happen? Uh, I don't know, man. Like, it might be better to stick with him and just hope that the 2023 class gets him out of the hole. Like, I don't know. It's scary. Well, time. Uh, if history tells us anything, we just replace Carl Durrell, Jim Moore and keep trucking. Ooh. Just keep it going. <laughs> Going. Ooh, the rehabilitation at UConn and then to Colorado. Hmm. That way right. he grew up in Boulder. He grew up in Boulder. Work. That's all I needed to hear. You know that who's looking for work weird. right now is Rick Neuheisel. That's right. Oh, another wow. another blast. Or you know who the area. wide receivers coach at UCLA is, and I know that Colorado loves playing uh, or, uh, wide receivers coaches. Is Jerry, Jerry Neuheisel. Yeah, and also Coach Shiverini is a wide receiver uh, analyst at, at UCLA. Let's get the gang back together. Let's, yeah, let's get them all back. Okay, guys, I'm sure you need to start making some calls as the new Twitch <laughs> head coach of. Uh, I know. I, I did just put. I put Ralphie Report in charge of the program at multiple points during this podcast. <laughs> Frankly, I, I mean, again, how could it be worse? Hey, look, man, I'm. I'm. We're working for cheap. All we need is uh, the the coach's suite and maybe I don't know health insurance. Yeah. Rest of it goes to the players. We are it's a new it's a new model. Ooh, I love it. Uh, and weeds legalized. It should all go very smoothly there. All right, y'all. Um, this has been a wonderful podcast yet again. I'm sure we'll talk to you during the season. Maybe we'll be covering an astounding upset from yeah. the undefeated Colorado Buffaloes as they as they roll over the Ducks in Austin Stadium if they're playing That's in Austin. Right. I already forgot. We already talked. No, um, so Boulder, no, yeah. they're playing in Boulder. Yeah. See, maybe Dana Altman's curse transported over to the football team. And hey, let it be known. Dana Altman has still never beat Tad Boyle in Boulder. Oh, that is, oh, okay. That's the thing. All right. Tad Boyle was not at that game due to COVID. There so, you go. It, the okay. streak lives. Good point. Good point. All right, y'all. We'll see you next week. Uh, quack, quack. quack.